So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details. After over 250 hours of bringing the best to you, Rick and Jean are going to them. Welcome to Everyday Connection on the Road with your hosts, Rick O'Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock, bringing your inner life to your entire world. Welcome, everybody, to Everyday Connection on the Road. I'm Rick O'Shields, and just about six inches to my right here is Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm still hot. Still hot. Yeah, well, it's, uh, well, we're in Costa Rica, so it's a little warm. But it's a good warm, I suppose. It's a lot, it's very humid, too, so that makes it comfy. Not so much. So I'm hot and wet. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm I'm hoping to dry out sometime Tuesday. <laughs> but um something about a hotel in San Jose and air conditioning, I don't know. It's been bugging me. No, no, I just you know just would like to just for an hour. Just for an hour a day. Really. And um Oh yeah. The dogs are still here and the jungle critters are around, so you'll just have to forgive us and uh uh some of our guests are here with us today, so um, as the mic was when we first started talking, it will be again soon. Uh, back on Omni, you may pick up a little wind and stuff, and you'll just have to bear with us because, well, we hope you will. It's going to be a grand show, uh, great stuff going on, and uh, I'm just thrilled that uh, Rosemary is going to be able to be with us and uh, because she is really an angel and our hostess here and she's going to talk about the mango tree and she's going to talk about uh, some writing that she's done. She's just going to talk about lots of wonderful things. So uh, that's going to be grand. And uh, and we like us some wonderful. We like us some wonderful. Wonderful's Thank good. You. And um, uh, what, what else, Jane? Oh, we're, we're, we're not doing a special tomorrow or Monday. We're going to take a couple of days off. Y'all have to forgive us. We may be filming some things, and t- we'll certainly be taking pictures. We're going to have lots to do when we, uh, uh, lots to show you when we get back. We're having some difficulty hither and yon with uploads of photos and things from here, um, but some of them are getting worked out, so that's that's pretty grand. Um, do we have anything else? We we we, we do that special. And besides the special, other than the special guest, oh, 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 in the rainforest in Costa Rica, yeah, well, that's pretty special. Uh, we might have some special footage for you coming up. Last night was pretty interesting. We had a a bit of a encounter with some local. Let's uh, call it wildlife because it was wild yeah, it wildlife, was wild, and it was alive. Um, our our friend Gabe is hopefully putting some footage together soon so that we can get that up for you, and. Uh, and uh, tomorrow, I'll I'll be out jaunting about in the jungle, I guess on horseback. So we'll try and get that footage to you as well. Yeah, that should be that should be a lot of fun. But uh, our dear Jane was uh, petting the local insects 
last night, and they were letting her. Uh, petting butterflies and beetles and grasshoppers, and uh, so she's she's gone from being the deer whisperer to being the insect whisperer. Or bug whisperer, I, I, I don't know, but bug whisperer sounds something CIA-ish, or I don't know. <laughs> no bugs around here. We have a microphone with a red light on it that's right up in front of everybody. Um, so everybody knows it. And uh, as I said, our uh, special guest today is uh, uh, the wonderful angel that is our hostess here. Uh, she's... Uh, CRN, she's a breath expert and um, author, um, author that, right? and, um, um, and and the protector and guardian of this space. And, and a freaking fabulous cook. Oh, you might. <laughs> I have to say, your dinner last night was awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, add that in. Dinner last night was awesome. Okay. And uh, so here with us is Rosemary McGregor. Welcome, Rosemary. How are you? Hi. Hi, you guys. So glad you're here. Oh. Lovely to have you. It's lovely to have you. We're, we're having you. You're having us. Amen. We've all been had, apparently. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, different show. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we call that one Coffee with Source? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, we're having, a, we're having a great time, and there are wonderful things going on down here, and this is just a, an amazing space. So... Uh, to start with, tell us a little bit about this place where we are, the Mango Tree Spa. We are in um, the new, I would say the new um, pearl of Costa Rica. In the past, um, Costa Rica has been known in terms of Guanacaste, which is northern Costa Rica. And everybody who came to Costa Rica went to Guanacaste. Beautiful beaches and everything. And then, you know, some of the environmental things that were done were not too cool. And uh, they ran out of water. And so now the government is really putting all its wonderful, precious energy into this coast. And there's about it's about a 60-mile coastline. And it's the only place in Costa Rica where the mountains just basically slide right into the Pacific Ocean. Everywhere else in Costa Rica, the mountains are back. So we kind of have an ideal setting here with mountains right on the coastline and beautiful beaches. And um, we're right next to the Osa Peninsula, which is south of us, just south of us. And the Osa Peninsula is known for its biodiversity, probably one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. And that means a lot of plants and a lot of bugs and a lot of animals. <laughs> a lot of life. Everyone you can possibly think of. And then we have the mangroves right in front of us down here. And I think this area is known for um, being one of the largest mangrove areas in the world. Um, we had jungle behind us, first growth jungle behind us. This area was cleared maybe 20 years ago by the government um, for the Chicos, which are the Costa Ricans, in order to have them take over this land and farm it and bring their cows and everything in here. And, then, and, they, and they gave it to them for free. And then some developers came in and basically bought it up. And uh, the Costa Ricans had to live here for about 15 years before they could get title. Ah. So anyway, I bought one of these pieces. And um, um, why am I in Costa Rica? Yeah. Yes, well, that's the Where next thing is, is 
is I mean, Jane's I famous question. I don't know why we're in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> we're in Costa Rica because I'm here. <laughs> we're in Costa Rica. Sure. That's, that's exactly why that is, we're that here. That is brilliant truth right there, ladies and thing. gentlemen, because we wouldn't be here in Costa Rica if Rosemary wasn't here. Um, but, yeah, why are you? I mean, I, I'll just put it abundantly out there. How the hell did you get here? Like, what? Happen. I have to go way back, way, way back. We like way back. Way, way back, back usually takes us to some really deep, insightful wisdom. Five-year-old, is a five-year-old little girl named Nancy Craig. And Nancy oh. Craig and her family moved to Sumatra, Indonesia, where I was living at the time. And I remember I was playing with her one day, and she made the comment. She said, oh, Sumatra is just like Costa Rica. We just came from there. And I guess way back when Goodyear Rubber, who my father was working for, tried to plant uh, rubber trees in Costa Rica, and there was some pest or something that made it not work. And so they were moved back to Sumatra. And the little girl told me about Costa Rica, and I've never forgotten that. And so I always we were we were in the Sukarno Suharto uprising back in about 19, in the 60s, early 60s, and. Um, some rebels came to our house in the middle of the night in Sumatra. I was about 13, and they knocked on the door 2:30 in the morning. And um, I I went out, stumbling out, half asleep. My parents were in the air-conditioned room, so they didn't hear anything. And I went out and opened the door, and uh, the house was surrounded by men in military outfits with guns. They wanted my father as hostage, and uh, so they took him off. And um, we heard about three shots in the morning, and we figured that he was one of them. And then he came walking home. <laughs> and um, pretty soon the State Department told us to get out of Indonesia. I loved Indonesia. I loved Sumatra. I always wanted to go back. We never could because of the uprising and what was going on there. It was becoming communist. And so, you know, when I grew up and had my kids and my grandkids and everything and decided that it was my time to do what I wanted to do, I decided that I was going to go check out this little five-year-old girl's <laughs> statement. Came <laughs> to Costa Rica. <laughs> and is it? Is it very similar to Indonesia? I was surprised at the mountains here. I didn't expect them because we don't have the, I mean, they, obviously there's a whole bunch of volcanoes right now, but we. I, I was expecting more flat. I was really surprised at the rolling mountains and hills here. We have, in the central range up here, it goes up to 12,000 feet. <laughs> That's quite high. See, I think that was my biggest shock was looking at the terrain. I was like, is this really, other than the fact that the flora and the fauna obviously isn't the same as what's in my backyard, <laughs> the mountainous range is exactly the same shape as, I, there's there's no difference in the skyline here than there is looking out the back door of my window, except for... In Toronto? It, no, in, in the mountains of Quebec. It's the same... Oh. Really? So I was I was quite shocked. I was just kind of like, it, it's really like looking out here. It's just like my drive home. It's, it's, except it. for it's different. It's different trees. It's different types of flora yeah. and fauna, like and it's a different temperature. So yeah. it's but yeah. I I was shocked by that. I I expected something completely different. Yeah, I did too. I came from Washington State. Of course, we have our mountains, plenty of mountains, go up to fourteen thousand feet. But I did not expect that here. The flora and the fauna are similar, except one of the things I noticed was. We had really tall coconut trees, and they have little short coconut trees here. They're green coconuts that that you eat and drink the cocoa, the pipa water, which is, water. which is extremely healthy. It's one of the healthiest foods on the planet. And the other thing is we have lots of bamboo out there, and there's very little bamboo here. 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't notice much on the way, and I did notice the uh, the coconut trees and and stands most of the way uh, along the highway. They were offering pipa fria, mm-hmm. and uh, which would be cold coconut water. And pipa fria is um, has all the amino acids that blood plasma has in it. Complete asthma. Um, what, what would you call it? <laughs> Drink. Oh yeah, yeah. Complete um, amino acids, all the amino acids the body needs, and um, it tastes delicious. It's refreshing. And I said th- I heard that in the war, World War Two, the um, soldiers who got wounded or injured could actually infuse people water right directly into the bloodstream, into their veins, to in- increase their volume until they could make it up with. Through blood. Yeah. Use it as blood plasma. The same, the same constituents as in plasma. And um, and so they didn't die. And they made it. And it's completely sterile, too, because of all the the thickness of the of the pipacoca um, shell. It actually takes about nine months to filter that water in through that shell. And so it's very sterile. It's amazing, and 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 surely, if you wanted any indications about us being connected to all the life on the planet, there would be a good one for you. And a good lesson in how uh, how Mother Nature already provides whatever we need. I mean, exactly. goodness gracious, science field has been trying to synthetically produce blood a substitute for for blood for I. Ever, as far as I know, that you know, it's come one of their visions that they'd like to do, so that they can. There you go, Mother Nature's already provided it. So why are we wasting the money? Why not just plant more trees? Except (laughs) we we have to look at what Coca Cola and Pepsi are doing with Pipa Cocoa Water. They're trying to make it the the new drink, the new sports drink. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. If you read about it, it, what they're doing is not very good. Well, they would manipulate it. I'm sure they change it and alter it, and they have. I I I tried some of that. Uh, A friend suggested it strongly to me because everything that I have going on physically and uh, uh, it was just horrid. (laughs) I'm sorry, Coca-Cola, but I I I spit it out, and I've had green coconut water from a green coconut and it's not like that no. and so any of you folks that have tried that stuff in the funny aluminum box looking thing have no fear try I mean, some real fresh cold yeah. pipa water they're going to have to come here unfortunately because what they're doing to the green coconuts they either run them through <laughs> x-ray machines or microwaving or something so they're once again they're altered by the time they get to the state yeah. I think that's one of those things that, that, I mean, we talk about often on the show, is that you, we bring people on from all over the world, and we talk about how they have their different ways of living and expressing mm-hmm. and being. And um, it, we, we have this perception living in the States or in Canada that we have an idea of what these tropical fruits taste like. But I tell you true, I mean, I didn't eat a real mango until I went to the Philippines. I had never eaten a real mango until I went to the Philippines. I've had mangoes all my life. But it's not the same. I mean, you really have to you have to get it fresh from the tree, from the locals who picked it, from basically the bush. And um, it's, it's an entirely different flavor. And it's just like when I grew up, we had we lived near a farm, and all of our meats, all of our eggs, they were all farm, all, straight off the farm. We never bought 
meat from the grocery store. So it never hit a grocery store shelves. It was a, and I know the difference between farm fresh meat that hasn't been jacked with, that's been field fed, as opposed to grain fed meat that I'm getting in the grocery store. There's a difference in the taste. And I think that when you go and you actually start experimenting with these things, you start traveling, you start discovering you discover for yourself what a difference there is. What a huge difference in Not just the taste, but also the effects of your body, like the energy that it gives you. There's a huge difference in the energy level of, of the foods. I, I know um, mango and um, calamansi really saved my life in the Philippines four times when I can count. Every time I got exhausted, I just had some calamansi juice and ate some mango, and I was good to go for another 12 hours. One of the things that you could do... We got the dogs. I've got four poodles here, and every time somebody shows up, they love to bark. (laughs) Um, What the teacups do with mangoes, one of their favorite um, foods is green mango. And they'll take the green mango and and peel it and then cut it, slice it, and put salt on it. They serve it that way in the Philippines, too, in a bag. And they they actually... I think that's what they were on the roads when we were coming. It's sprinkled Mm -hmm. with salt, Mm -hmm. and there's the lime in the bag, and they sell it to you. And they do that on the roads here. They do it in the Philippines as well. And it's it's really, like, it was no different for me coming here as soon as I I saw Mm -hmm. it was going on. I'm like, oh, I've Mm -hmm. seen this already. At at the bus, we passed a bus stop where they were selling, you know, they're bringing, they come in on the bus, and they bring their wares through the bus, and if anybody wants to buy it, and then they go off the bus. And that's just, I mean, but Yeah. yeah, the green mango I'm familiar with. Yeah, some of our traffic was was rather thick on the way, and we were going extraordinarily slow, like zero, often. And uh, and there were there were there were folks walking between the lanes of vehicles with a metal metal and plantain chips and lots and of plantain chips. Plantain chips and these these bags with mm-hmm. green mango and a and a lemon or lime yep. up at the top and. Uh, and they seem to be doing quite well because I saw several of them pass us with a bunch of bags and then they would run run away back in front of us with their empty hook and go get more. So uh, uh, really, if you get the chance to go places, and we're going to talk about how you can get a hold of Rosemary and come down here to visit, and then you can try some and you'll know what it really is like. Oh, well. Uh, so we'll just say that right now for our podcast listeners. Uh, you can find this place, the Mango Tree Spa, at simply www.themangotreespa.com. It's all run together. And all the information that you need is right there. Uh, the villas here are beautiful. Um, and uh, and the, the countryside is, is just amazing. It's like a castle in the jungle. It really is. And in, we just have we have a beautiful rancho here with this kind of panoramic bowl view, about three-quarter bowl view, all the way around with the mountains and the tiny, tiny little V of the Pacific Ocean. And um, right over there. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Rick. Well, I just want to be sure I know which way. And... <laughs> <laughs> West is not west as you perceive it, and east is not east as you perceive it. It's kind of the other way because if you look at a map of Costa Rica, it kind of jags down to the to the left or right, whichever way you're looking at it. And uh, we're really kind of right under Louisiana. You wouldn't think so, but we're right under Louisiana and Florida. 
when you think of Costa Rica, kind of is under California, but it's not. It's way over there. So we're on we're on East Coast time right now. Yeah, it's um, it. Many of the things you might think, I think you will discover, aren't the case. But um, I think I think and I think that's important for people to realize. Certainly, one of the first things I realized in traveling was that your preconceived notions, the things that you think you learn, on. Um, Yes, we love the Internet and we love technology for what it's given us. Um, but even the things that you learn from people's stories, it, all your preconceived notions just get completely tossed out the window when you actually get to a new country and you start talking to the locals. And it's, it's not good enough to go and rent a room at the Best Western and eat at Burger King and, and say you've been to Costa Rica, you know, go hang out at the beach for a week and say you've been to Costa Rica. You really have to get down and dirty. You have to get into the thick of things. And you, you know, here we know that if we ask Rosemary, we want to talk to a local artist about something, she's going to arrange that. If we want to go horseback riding up a mountain hill, you know, go see a waterfall, she's going to arrange it. If we want to know about local customs, about local foods, about local traditions, she has the knowledge. And that's the difference. In, in how you want to travel. I mean, if you really want to see the world as it is, how it really is, then you need to see people like Rosemary who aren't trying to put this veil over your eyes and make it all seem something that it's not. Because, you know, really, she's offered us all the truths, all the imperfections and the perfections. And it, it's been a completely natural and um, comfortable. Very comfortable. Day. And, um, you know, we talk about the bugs and Jean petting the bugs. We have not been uh, Let me tell you about the bugs. bitten. We've not been, you know, eaten. Let me tell you about the bugs. Please <laughs> do. Let me tell you about the bugs. Yeah, because I had a thing last night. Yeah, we've got, we've got big mosquitoes and little tiny mosquitoes. And the little tiny ones um, I've had up in the mountains, and they bite. The big ones don't bite me at all. The little ones bite. They're called some chunks some chilas or something like that. And uh, they bite and they leave a welt about the size of a quarter. Well, that really, sounds fun really when horrible. I'm going up the yeah. mountains tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we don't have little bugs. We have super bugs. <laughs> we have super beetles. We have beetles. We have a rhino beetle that has a nice little horn, and he can be about three inches, four inches. He's kind of funny. He's harmless, totally harmless, but he's kind of a, a nice little um, ditty <laughs> to encounter somewhere. We have snakes. Yes, we do. Um, when I first came here, there were a lot of um, bug-eye snakes on the property, and I thought they were all Ferdelances and Tarsipellas, you know, and, and bad snakes. And scary. 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 And they weren't. They were totally innocent snakes. One day, even, there was a mica snake, a beautiful, beautiful blue and yellow snake, and he came with his partner, and they were um, playing around behind my villa. They were It was about the size of my lower arm, okay? And they were about two yards long. I knew they were bird snakes, so I knew they weren't harmless. And they, my unfortunately, my worker killed one of them, and I was not very happy because they're harmless snakes. And so the partner came back, and he there was coming back for the bird cage, which was on the back of my, I mean, the bird nest on the back of my villa, or... Um, he was coming back looking for his mate. I don't know which. Right. And about this, he was there for three days. We watched him for three days behind my villa, going amongst the trees and on the stairway and took pictures. You couldn't even see him. It was just amazing how he was hiding. And uh, third day, I 
grabbed him. <laughs> I literally grabbed him about a foot from his head. He turned around and bit me. <laughs> and I let him go. But my girlfriend wanted him. She wanted him at her house. I was catching him for her. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah. and it, it didn't work. <laughs> he was a lot stronger than I expected. So anyway, we have we have all kinds of animals. Um, we had we have had a black panther in our back above our uh, driveway, That's our awesome. parking place. And one day they were chopping the lot above me, and uh, the mother panther went from one tree to another tree, lobbed over to this other tree, and then his baby came out of this log, just right in front of where he was. Chopping, and almost every year somebody sees the black panthers here, and um, they they haven't done anything. They haven't eaten any of my dogs, so they're fine. Yeah, you have yeah. plenty of dogs too. Yeah. I mean, they have you dogs, have a veritable so feast here. Some of them, some of them quite small, and they 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 wander wander about. The two big ones will come right out of the bush, and you just oh hi. <laughs> One of the truths about Costa Rica, which is um. Which is kind of funny because every picture you see of Costa Rica has a picture of an animal in it, and so people come down here and they say, "Well, where are the animals?" Well, they're not—they're <laughs> not just hanging around waiting for you to come. No. <laughs> you have to go out and look for them, you know, or encounter them. I've been here seven years, and I've probably seen three sloths and uh, one panther, <laughs> uh, five um, wild boars, um, sea snakes. I haven't seen any snakes this year or last year. I haven't seen any. And, uh, you know, they're they're few and far between because they pretty much come out at nighttime. And there's yeah. a lot of jungle out there. Let's face it. I mean, yeah. they, they have a choice. They here. can go hang yeah. out in the jungle where they're, they don't right. be safe and they have food. Or they can come hang out by people where they might get stomped on, killed, shot, or, yeah. or otherwise exactly. harassed. Yeah. There, so, there, 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 at least appears to me there hasn't been so much destruction and encroachment by concrete concentrated development that they've run out of places to look for food. So that's when they come around people looking for trash or whatever they can find. Otherwise, they don't really like to hang out with us anyway. No. They would rather hang out up in the mountains and in in the jungle where we're not. One of the things you can hear every morning are the howler monkeys. And they are are a well-known item in Costa Rica. You can hear them over there, and they they make a sound that travels about five miles. They sound like a barking dog. You can hear this in the morning. There's, there's one tribe somewhere up there, and there's one way over there, so we're kind of in between the two, but I know some other hotels where they hang right out in the tree above the hotel, and they start at 4.30 in the morning, and they go to 10.30 in the morning, and you don't want to be around them. <laughs> That's a wake-up call and a half. No need for alarm clock. Yeah, wake up Hasn't happened here. I, uh, goodness gracious, I slept till what, 5.30 this morning? That's late for you. I, yeah, and I went to bed at before 10. Yeah, everyone who comes here, their sleeping habits change. They start really sleeping more deeply. They start going to bed with the sun as the sun goes down, which it does about 6. And they wake up when the sun comes up, you know. So there's people sleep a lot better here, and the air is very fresh. Yeah, and and you would think with all no, the background. Um, well, there's no traffic. Background, now. no, but um, the nature noises, especially well, for people they, coming from the city. I was expecting that that the, might disturb me the first night, but it didn't totally. The circadian actually stop at six five thirty. Okay, so and so many of the jungle bugs, uh, bugs, bums, <laughs> bugs quit. Um, 
there were two guys here a couple of weeks ago, and they went off into the jungle every day. And one night they went off, and they wanted to see what it was like, because you know, they were really looking for animals. Right. And they went off, and they didn't turn on their flashlights or anything like that. And they said it was silent. The jungle was absolutely silent at night. It was so dark. And they were just, they were stunned. They expected it to be noisy and everything else. That's, and that's, all kinds I was of expecting animals. to be kept up, but nope. I, I've i slept great. I've, I've had it is. It's, it's great really peaceful, deep yeah. sleep, like like mm-hmm. she said. And uh, You wake up, you're refreshed, you're good to go. You're like, oh, yeah, 5.30 a.m., what? Get me my coffee. Let's rip. Let's get some coffee. <laughs> Hop in the pool. It's all good. No, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's it, incredible. It kind of makes you want to say, coffee, Why? pool. Wow. Pura Vida. Pura Vida. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get an expert uh, opinion. I've put some stuff I found online in the description of the show, but uh, we're going to get an expert opinion on exactly what this Pura Vida business is about because uh, you know, I've, I, I, I read several places that, you know, that would be the most common phrase that you would hear down here was Pura Vida. And it it, it, it may be true. And uh, the, but one of the most common phrases that I have heard is mucho gusto. Con mucho gusto. Con mucho gusto. With much pleasure. With much pleasure. Which and I it's love. Just beautiful. Ah, so we're going to hear about that too, and um, because it's not just when you went to pe- Spanish class in the U.S. That's not just what you say when you meet somebody. You get introduced. You say, "Oh, mucho gusto," and then you don't ever say it again. It's. Uh, it's done. It's done when you do something for them, or they do something for you. Like I give them a ride. I pick up hitchhikers all the time, and I give them a ride, you know. And or they do something for me. And it's always, it's always like it's like it's like Buddhist. It's like Buddhism. They, you know, it's from their heart. And they say con mucho gusto, and they mean it. Yeah, it's beautiful. A, it is. Uh, where the store with the 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 little clothing store down oh. the road uh this poor jeans bag took three days to get here. It'd been on quite an adventure apparently, and yeah. um it'd been all over the place <laughs> and she said con mucho gusto when we were trying to get ready to leave the store on she, on Good Friday when uh, she had no business opening it, she opened it for us. she came out of the house, yeah. came over, opened the door, and and was you know you say thank you and she's just oh con mucho gusto and she looking you looking right at you she meant every bit of it and, and you were you were really missing because you were missing what was going on inside when mm-hmm. she once she figured out what my style was mm-hmm. every time she pulled something out of the bag that was something that I would like and I would I would be like yeah that's perfect her eyes would light up like she was yeah, really appreciating yeah. the fact that she had provided something that I desired she did and it was. It was you wouldn't see that in a store in Canada. Well, not the big stores, anyways. Too many stores. Ma and Pa stores. I've, I, I, you know, I've been into Ma and Pa stores where the people behind the counter is third generation. And they're excited when you find something in their store that you're really looking for that you couldn't find anywhere else. But, but um, let's, let's tell them about this store. This is this is a store called Ropa Americana, and I have them all over Costa Rica. I have on a a blouse right now. It, this only cost me a dollar. I wish you could see it. Yeah, I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing, wearing a dress. A dress. Yeah. You only so paid a dollar for it. <laughs> and um, all everything in the store is around, you know, one dollar to two or three at the most. And these are these are clothes that, that started out being bundled up and sent to the people who survived Katrina. 
and they didn't have any clothing. So they started sending these bundles out. And then all of a sudden, someone got smart in Costa Rica and said, okay, just keep the bundles coming. We're going to start opening stores. And so all over Costa Rica, you know, they started opening these stores and started Rope Americana. So to be honest with you, it, almost every item in my closet right now, I probably paid a dollar for. And some of them are brand new clothes that have never been worn. Some are a little bit ragged, but that's okay. You know, they get, they get dirty and whatever anyway here, so you just wear them until they mm-hmm. wear out. And what the really neat thing is, is if you come down and visit and you're going to go home, you leave your summer clothes here <laughs> for us, yeah. and then you go into Europe Americana and you can buy cashmere jackets and cashmere sweaters and beautiful clothes, almost brand new, that nobody's worn for a dollar. And you take them home, and you get some really nice clothes. <laughs> yeah, I saw some really lovely jackets in there yeah. that I was thinking, what's Amazing. that? What's but you know, might be good for Jane back home in Canada because it was a little frigid there when you left. It was, but we're in our wet week right now, so um, beginning to thaw. By the time I get back, it should be starting to dry up, and and we should be not seeing any more zeros. So, that would be nice during the day, at least. And, and any time we're above zero or all the time during the day is a, is a good good day in, good day. in Canada. <laughs> you yeah. can even find medium clothes. <laughs> in betweeners. Yeah, it was a beautiful experience, and I was only there for a bit of it. I was outside trying to keep an eye on a... Um, Jesus lizard. It, yeah. We, check, we oh, checked the pictures, the and we compared lizard. it with okay. the Jesus lizard. Yeah, yeah. a lot of those here. Of course, on Good Friday. And, and what, what Rick <laughs> found out about these lizards, he took a picture of one of them, and they have these nice big round suction cups on their feet. This is how they climb up walls. And <laughs> unfortunately, here my my poodles like to chase them, and they bite off their tails. <laughs> but they grow back. Oh yeah, they grow back. No big deal. Yeah. Goes back. Yeah. Just like the little bitty lizards that we have at home, but these are bigger and just gorgeous. They're it was really a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's, that's the thing. Like even the um, the. Moth last night. The moth. Oh, the moth yeah. was gorgeous. The moth. I, I was petted. It was just plain brown. It had its wings folded. It was plain brown, and I was I was looking at it and telling it how beautiful it was, and it's like all of a sudden it just spread its wings, as if to say, "You think I'm beautiful now? Look <laughs> you know, look at me." And and I was just stunned because that's not what I was expecting. It was just yeah. a plain, plain dusty brown, sandy yeah. colored yeah. moth. And then when it spread its wings, I was just stunned at the inner beauty that it, you know. Yeah. I thought it was two, beautiful. Aspect. Two big eyes yeah, and big a little eyelids. bit of orange on it. Maybe even orange. a didn't have a little blue. Maybe I, I'm not and sure. I've got it on my Facebook. If you guys want to see it, yeah. it's on my Facebook, and uh, we'll have more pictures of it up later. But it was, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> don't turn a blind eye to things that you think might not have beauty yeah, in them there you go. because mm-hmm. you might be shocked to find that under that first layer that there's an element there that you weren't aware of and I think that's a really profound lesson too is that you know, in so many things yeah not just Costa Rican moths not just Costa Rican <laughs> moths but I, you know it was it was a bit of a gift to remind us of that though wasn't it you know I mean oh you told oh, us it, it was, was beautiful as it was in there it showed you a beauty that you didn't expect to find so um true true yeah. Yeah, it's um well, as we say, don't 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 take stuff necessarily at face value, either good or bad, because face value can be, you know, the people water we were talking about earlier it comes in really beautiful boxes with fantastic claims. <laughs> but <clears throat> tastes like dung. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately I had had 
the real thing when I was younger. So I knew what it really tasted like, and I was just I was shocked. I bleh. Well, what is also um, wonderful about the green peepas is if you get it just at the right point, and you once you've drunk the water, then you op- you cut it open with a machete, and there's custard in it. It's like coconut custard. It's just like a pudding. And have you had it before? No. Oh, my no. gosh. The buko in, in Philippines doesn't do that. Really? <laughs> oh, you're going to have to. We'll have to pick one off the tree out there at the driveway. And you open it up and you just scoop this out with a spoon. Because I love me some coconut custard. It's just, it's just incredible. I'm all over that. You, yeah. yeah. Okay, that, we'll do that. That's wow. right, folks. You heard her say, we'll go pick one off the tree at the driveway. <laughs> There's... Pineapples growing here. No, we have to go mango down to the trees papayas. with real mangoes, papayas, um, mm. and that it doesn't get any more real than that. Pull it off the tree. That's the way Mother Nature made it. And you know, argue with me or not, Mother Nature, God, however you like to describe things, created us. We've evolved together with all of this life, and we are compatible with it. And this, oh, well, we found something that's nice, but we don't own any of that, so we'll figure out how to make it in a lab. I don't care if they make the exact same molecule. It's never the same. Never. And this from a former science geek. Still a little geeky, but not so much on the engineering (laughs) and science part. A little too much on the computers, maybe. Along that same line, we have here in Costa Rica a plant called the guanabana. And it's kind of a big squishy sack with little spiny things on the outside. And you open it up and it's got white, it's it's white flesh inside surrounding a, a black seed. And this was, this plant was um, investigated by the U.S. pharmaceutical companies in 1990-91 for its bark properties, its, I don't know, seeds root, everything, and they found it in many kinds of cancer to be ten times the potency of chemotherapy. So, folks, you don't need to do that chemotherapy thing. You can just eat guanabana or drink guanabana juice or have guanabana milkshakes or whatever you choose. Bouncing off our last show where Billy Bass, you know, ran away from chemo, you can always do what Billy did, and instead of running away and hiding out from house to house, just come on down to Costa Rica and eat some of the local fruit and fauna. And <laughs> he, he wound up going to Canada, I believe, and found a treatment in Canada. And, and I certainly don't want to down Canada because they have provided us with our amazing treasure gene. But uh, uh, for those of you that don't want to be a little chilly, you can come down here. It's warm. You can just go get some at the little market down there on the side of the road. And you'd be absolutely amazed at some of the in- indigenous... Um, tribal treatments that you'll find. I know that um, when I was in the Philippines, one of the fruits that they kept showing me, I can't remember it for the life of me, but it looked like a big old round string bean just hanging off trees. It sounds like a guayaba. And they use it for tamarind. Tamarind or guayaba. Uh They use it for arthritis. They use it Mm -hmm. for age ailments. They use it for stomach ailments. They use it for, you know, I mean, they these little farmers, they had a list a mile long. They were convinced that plant can cure anything. And that's all they grew it for. We have feel better. We have a number of plants just right on the property that are used for diabetes. One is the wandering Jew. 
And um, there's a place down south of us, about an hour and a half, with a called um, Paradise Botanical Gardens. And he has on his website about the wandering Jew and how you can eat three leaves a day and keep your blood sugar under control. Yeah, she's she's looking at me. I and heard. She's I overheard that. him today <laughs> say something about insulin. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah the the. Uh, we have a lot of medicinal plants here, even on the property, but. A lot of these natives down here, they've lived off of these plants, and every family has their own little cotillion of, of plants that they have used for this and that, you know, and there's, there's a million plants for stomach issues, million of them. There's, you know... Papaya included, a, because that's what oh, he gave absolutely. me That's what he gave yeah. me this morning for breakfast with papaya, because I was having... I don't do well with cumin, really? which I forgot to mention. Oh, and, um, but it was, oh, it was fabulously good and so worth it, mm-hmm. um, but, you know... At least you know it. Well, I, you know, you I expected it. it you know, so this morning he gave me some papaya. And, and papaya also is very good as, as a facial. If you take a green papaya and you, and you scrape the outside of it, you get this latex. Put it on your face and it lightens your face. Uh, lightens your freckles. I only have a few. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me like that, Gabe. <laughs> and it, um, um, it tightens your face. So it tightens it. It's a beautiful facial. There's all kinds of things you can do here. It's wonderful. Yes. Natural. All natural. The folks here, when they are having a little distress, just like home, they go to the pharmacy. Except here, it doesn't have a pH in front. It's an F. They go to the farm. <laughs> and see. And what's see available. what's out there. And, 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 and it's like you said, many of these things are right here on the property. And... and uh, and a lot of what's here on the property was here to when you got here, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. It right. just grows here. It's just here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I say, where do you find that stuff? Well, there's some on the side of the road over there. Anyway, yeah. it, it. And one of the things that, that I've tried to do with this place here is to keep it as natural as possible. And many people come to Costa Rica and they build a plantel and they scrape off everything. So it's real easy to build on their house, their house on. And I said, nope, can't touch any trees here. You leave them alone. And they really built this thing right into the hillside here. So it's really nestled into the hillside. And it's beautiful as a result rather than something that's sitting bare on top of a knoll. It yes. is. Our, our house in in, um, in Canada, in the mountains, his grandfather did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He just cut enough down mm-hmm. and they heat with wood. So, you know, he used mm-hmm. the wood that he cut. He didn't just cut and go to waste. He just cut enough down to be able to put the house. But yeah. everything else is, is, I mean, we've got trees coming up to our doors, and, and mm-hmm. I love it. I I love going outside and having a tree within arm's length. Exactly, exactly. Oh. You know, I could touch the greenery, and why would I Why would I jack with that? You know, I mean, it's it's perfect the way it is. Yeah, it, you cut, making something flat with a bulldozer, covering it with concrete, and putting a big square blob with climate control and double pane windows might as well be watching it on tv if you're going to be in there big glass pane that you see nature through and in your climate controlled thing why would you do that (laughs) why would you do that Ah, uh, so, so how are we into this we're in we're in a ways we might be uh down for a break yeah we'll take a take a brief break and then we'll talk about that other element of rosemary's life the breathing, because this is something that she is an expert in, and uh, 
and some things that may not be like you've been told by even some people that are into various and sundry practices that are considered experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, we don't like experts. <laughs> we, you know. Um, so what? Oh, same yeah. thing. Oh, I would think. For okay. The first one at least. Not. I, I don't mean same thing. Uh, we play Earth Prayer so often because it is uh, directed to Mother Earth from the humans of you know uh, Ho'oponopono, which is a indigenous Hawaiian healing prayer, basically. And uh, so this is her Earth Prayer to uh, to Mother Earth of you know. She says it several times in the song, you know, forgive us for we know not what we do. And, um, uh, you know, don't want to beat anybody up about anything that's been done, uh, but that just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean we have to keep doing it that way. Changes can be good. It doesn't have to be scary. So this is our dear friend Ina V with her Earth Prayer, and uh, we'll we'll get you a link for that when we get back and tell you about her Earth Prayer project briefly, and then we're going to talk about uh, breathing and breath. It's, uh, well, everybody knows it's very important to life, but I'm not sure everybody knows just how important it is and how I, I know that for most of my life I was panic breathing when I was relaxed, and that's just really not good for you. So... Uh, a little Ina V. We'll be back in about five minutes. Stay with us, folks.
single thing of the west and the thunder, of the east and the sun. In the north, the shining elders, and the south, our mother's womb. To those above and below us, to the seen and unseen, those who have walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do. And we thank you for all your help. That was our dear friend Ina V. Again, you can find her at www.enavie.com. That's enavie.com. And click on the uh, Earth Prayer and the Earth Prayer Project. She does some amazing philanthropic stuff with the funds that she earns from that song in particular. She does amazing philanthropic stuff, period. But she's, it, it's a great thing, this Earth Prayer Project. And uh, and such a great sentiment, the song. And uh I, I tease all the time about it being one of Jane's favorites. It it touches me deeply uh, uh, when I uh, can play it off the air and have time to listen. I run around in circles all the time over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of running around in circles, that'll get you really breathing. <clears throat> um, nice, bad segue, bad segue. Oh, yeah, um, lazy. I reach for them sometimes, you know, and it's always bad when you got to reach. But breath is, of course, key to life. Stop breathing. Not so good. Um, but, well, often the people focus when they're talking about breath and breathing and things, they focus on oxygen. Um, and I have heard some other places, but I understand much better uh, and have only talked with Rosemary about it for just a few moments, a few minutes, um, that oxygen really isn't the biggest part of the deal on breathing for your body. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, 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 the study and work that you've done with breath, and uh, oxygen is the most important thing going on with breathing? No, not at all. <laughs> it's the most important end result, but not the beginning result. Um, I can go back and tell you a little bit about my history about breathing first. Yes, let's. Okay. let's how why, did you come why, yeah, why to be an I expert in breath? Yeah, why did I get interested in it? I was raised in Sumatra, Indonesia, as I mentioned before, and my mother um, uh, homeschooled me, 
and we were on three-year terms, and we came back after our first term. I was like seven years old and um, just had finished second grade out in Indonesia, but mother thought, and she was a school teacher, and so she decided that I really needed to be in public school since they were still in session, you know? And so for the last three weeks of thir- second grade, mother put me in public school. Now here I am in a class of 35 kids who I don't know, and the first thing a teacher does is she gets me to stand up in front of these kids and read. I was petrified. I was panicked. This was beginning of anxiety for me. Okay? And it really it really um um continued until I was probably about thirty four years old. So I stuttered for a long time. And uh I went through a lot of uh trauma with that. I avoided everything I could possibly avoid <laughs> that required that I um, give a public talk or anything like that. I became a speech major at the University of Washington, and I even managed to get out of speech 101. I would rather have gone to Vietnam and died than take speech 101. I wouldn't do it. So I lied my way out of it. <clears throat> I talked to the head of the department, and he bought my story. Maybe he knew. I don't know. But he let me out of it, okay, and I didn't have to go to Vietnam. <laughs> But I was a speech major, and I dealt with all kinds of speech problems, and none of them helped me. Okay? So um, when I was about 34, there was an article in a magazine by a doctor at New York University, and I'm going to give him credit because he saved my life as far as I'm concerned. His name was Dr. Martin Schwartz, and he was in their speech department, and He published an article in a magazine, and I read it, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. Now, he didn't say in the article what the secret was, but he said he could cure stuttering in three days. I don't care what I have to pay, I'm going. So I went to San Francisco and was one of 12 other stutterers, and we're all sitting around the mahogany table in Union Square Hotel, and we're asked to say our name. Well, that's the kiss of death to, to a stutterer. They just can't do it because the pressure of having to say it, knowing your name. I mean, obviously, you know your name, so it's ridiculous that you couldn't say it, for example. So anyway, so uh, we all stuttered. He says, you don't know how to breathe and talk at the same time. Now, many people who teach breathing talk about, you know, abdominal breath and sitting back and relaxing and taking a little bit of time to do this, blah, blah, blah. But they never even talk about speech, talking and breathing. And so how we talk and breathe is really also critical to it being a continual sort of process, okay? So he told us, he gave us all sorts of little um, techniques and hints like take a breath, take a deep abdominal breath, try to relax your vocal cords and and your neck and everything, all your apparatus that you're going to be using. And in the first two words of the next sentence that you're going to utter, stretch the first vowel sounds. So we do something like... My name is Rosemary McGregor. Once you get the first words out, no big deal. Everything else came out fluidly. You got the breath going and the flow going and everything else, okay? So third day in in San Francisco, we had to give a public talk in Union Square. Oi. Yeah, to the pigeons and the hippies and everybody else. And boy, I was going to be fourth because either that or I was going to be twelfth, you know, and I was going to get it over with before it got to that critical point. So anyway, he had us come home, and we had to practice every single day. And we had to make a tape and send it to him. 
we had to call, you know, anybody we felt comfortable calling, like theaters or what, anything. And we had to practice our breathing. Well, I became so breathy, so goddamn breathy. <laughs> it sounded like a, an amazingly sexy woman, you know. And I would put a, a, um, a little speech on my answering machine and say, Hi, my name is Rosemary McGregor and blah, blah, blah. You know, if these guys would call in and say, Wow, I got the wrong number, but wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One day this lady comes in to do an interview with me. This is after I've set up my stress management, biofeedback, and neurofeedback clinic. And this um, lady comes in from a magazine to interview me. And um, we did about an hour and a half interview. And I'm trying to show that I'm so relaxed and calm and I'm using this really nice voice with lots of breath and everything. (laughs) She calls me up a week later and she says, I hate to admit this, but I don't remember anything you said in the last half hour. I hypnotized her. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I've actually, you know what? We've had two guests that have done that to me yeah. on the show. Where yeah. I've actually, uh-huh. Rick has had to bail yeah. me out because yeah. I, yeah, I had to change. I got lost. I had to change my voice. In the voice. I had to bring back my intimate. What's the word? Intimate. Yeah, intimation. Yeah. You know, I had to bring back the the emphasis and whatever. <laughs> I couldn't keep talking like that. But the principle was still there. I understood the breath. Now let me go to the breath part, okay? So I became very, very interested in breathing. And in biofeedback, it's one of the major techniques we use to teach people to relax. And I was doing biofeedback and teaching people to warm their hands and feet up and, you know, their coronary arteries and uh, their um, all kinds of other problems. And what I was discovering was that in the second session, I would always teach them breathing. And they would come back the third session where I was going to teach them to warm their hands and feet up and everything, and they were already warm. And it really was because of the breathing. And then I got involved in in, uh, in really exploring breathing. I won't go into this whole story. It's too long. But I, I went to Nepal twice and took two groups to Nepal to climb to the base camp of Mount Everest. We actually went a little higher than that. And I I was actually doing a research trip through the University of Washington. I wasn't a student there anymore, but they actually allowed me to do it, which was kind of interesting. Um, I taught everybody how to breathe three months before we went. We climbed hills in Seattle and all kinds of things like that. And then we um, went to Nepal, and we used an oximeter and a capnograph as biofeedback machines to give these people feedback. They kept a diary. They had to answer all kinds of questions every day. They had to record their oxygen levels the whole time and their CO2 level. Okay? The, um, and I came back and, and my material was stolen from me by the heads of the Department of the University of Washington Respiratory Medicine and Anesthesiology and they republished the New England Journal article that they had written about the 1984 American Everest expedition using my information. Okay, and the, the difference and the information and what I'm going to tell you now is is breathing the amount of oxygen that you get from breathing is really dependent upon your carbon dioxide level. We have all been told in in high school and science classes and everything that carbon dioxide is a waste product and garbage. The truth is, it's your body's number one relaxer. 
It relaxes your arteries. It relaxes everything. So your hands get warm, your feet get warm, your heart, coronary arteries open up. Um, all of these things happen based on how high your CO2 level is. Okay? So CO2, um, when we take in oxygen, what happens is oxygen binds with iron and it forms a molecule called hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is a transport molecule, but it's a very tightly bound molecule that takes oxygen from your lungs to your big toe, for instance. Okay, now there has to be some mechanism that unloads oxygen off of hemoglobin, and that happens to be how high your carbon dioxide level is. Okay? Now, how do you get high carbon dioxide level? If you have anxiety and you go to your doctor, he asks you to breathe into a brown paper bag. And what you're doing is you're rebreathing your CO2, which raises your CO2 level. It's not going to last because you're going to go right back to your same old breathing <laughs> 10 seconds later, whatever, okay? But if you learn. But it is temporary relief. Yeah, the old, the old fashioned. Relief. Yeah, you know. but if you learn to breathe properly, and what I mean by proper breathing is if you learn to breathe out slowly, what you do is you keep CO2 on board, thus raising your CO2 level which then unloads oxygen off of hemoglobin and it gets to your tissues. And it relaxes every every artery in your body, especially your heart, your brain, and your hands and feet. Now, anybody who has cold hands and feet, I know, is hyperventilating. Classic sign, classic, classic sign of hyperventilation. If you have coronary problems, you're hyperventilating. Okay? If you have brain confusion or can't keep track of things or memory problems or anything, you're hyperventilating. Oh, I thought I was just crazy. Now, there you go. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> let me give you a, just, let me give okay, you a so statistic. Okay, so how do I fix it? Well, let me give you a statistic that will blow your mind, okay, <laughs> literally. Um, 30 seconds of hyperventilation will cause the brain cerebral arteries to contract as much as 65%. 30 seconds. That's all it takes. Zap, close them down. Oh, God, I can't think, you know, just can't think right now. Things aren't clear, blah, blah, blah. Okay? And so what you do if you're having a coronary pain or or you can't think is you sit there and you just take a nice, go ahead and take a nice big abdominal breath because abdominal breathing is relaxation breathing. There are, there yes, are receptors. I want to ask you about that because my Wait. doctor told me when I was young not to. I don't care what your doctor told you. <laughs> well, probably yeah. wrong. That's my asking, but my doctor told me stomach breathing was bad, and I always breathe through my stomach. God forbid. Okay. You have you have receptors in your stomach wall in your diaphragm. Okay. What does a baby do? Tummy breathes. Tummy goes up and down and up. Yeah, and down. babies do. are perfect breathers. Of course. Babies are perfect breathers. So I was doing it right, and yes. he messed me up. Yeah. All right, good. Because everybody <laughs> else is chest breathing, because that's the only thing he ever sees in his office. Okay. So he thinks it's normal. All right? So now there are receptors in the diaphragmatic wall and, and you know, pancakes that the diaphragm is that sends a message to their, your brain that says, relax, no danger. If you chest breathe, every time you chest breathe, you're in a stress response. You put yourself in a stress response. You'll go through the whole cascade of stress responders. And there's a lot of them, and they're not good. Your chest wall has receptors in it also that send a message to your brain. It's a danger. So when is the only time you should ever chest breathe? When somebody is coming at you with a knife, going to cut you, shoot you, and a wild animal with claws, 
Because what you want to do is you want those arteries to constrict, and that's exactly what chest breathing does to you. Okay, So it constricts all of your arteries and prevents you from going into shock. Hmm? Well, I'm really pissed. It's a beneficial mechanism. It's just not not been recognized or taught. And it's too cheap for medicine. Oh, can't patent breathing, eh? Can't patent it, and you certainly aren't going to make any money off it. So let's take Joe Blow, cardiologist, okay? Now, I have a stress management clinic, and I'm going to teach these things. And he has a patient who's come in who needs a coronary bypass, okay? And he's thinking, hmm, $150,000, and I'm not going to send her to Rosemary. That's $80 a session or whatever. Yeah? I'm going to do that. Right. No way. He's going to make the money off of his surgery. That honestly pisses me off. Or his medicine. I... I remember, I remember distinctly the day that mm-hmm. I went into my doctor's office and my doctor said to my mother, you need to get her to start breathing through her chest. She Ooh. breathes through her stomach and it's not healthy. Okay, I'm going to say something about that. And that ticked me off. In the, in the United States and in, in first world countries, what happens to little children, first of all, babies are perfect breathers. Nothing wrong with them. They're little tummy breathers and when they get stressed, something happens, they go... <gasps> And they start crying, right. okay? Yeah, okay, yeah, and they go yeah, right into chest right. breathing. Perfect example of what I'm talking about. So now you, as an American parent, you you've got money and whatever, and you're, you've got all the goodies, and so you buy a stroller and a jolly jumper and a crib and a playpen and all these things, so you can put the baby down so you can do your work. Okay. I've lived in third world countries a lot of my life, and I never see any of those things. I see the mothers always holding the baby. And still the doing babies, the work. And still in the rice paddy. Right? And those babies are secure. They don't have a sense of abandonment. In the United States, these babies are put over there so you can do your work over here, and they're abandoned. And you have an anxious child in the United States who's already a hyperventilator by three years old, generally speaking. Okay? Really sad. Very shallow, very rather yep. rapid chest yep. breathing. And you look at the kids down here. I have I've been here seven years. I have never seen a runny nose yet. Never on any child here. They never get sick. They're very healthy children. We had we've had two kindergartners here um from my employees, children of my employees. And in the first year they go to school, they never get sick. Never get that thing that happens in the States all over the place. Everybody's sick, every kid. My my two, my grandchildren in the States are sick all the time. It makes me sick. <laughs> it's terrible. So, yes. so, you know, breathing isn't something that you practice. You don't practice it um, a little bit. Great, five minutes a day, twice a week. Don't do it for meditation. It's... It's not going to do much. It's not really what you need to be doing. You need to learn how to do it so that it becomes your practice all the time. Whenever you talk, you know, nobody teaches you to breathe and talk. Nobody. If you look at the number of the best breathers in the world, I'll name a few of them, babies, wind instrument players, singers, and the Tibetan Lama. Well, and vocal coaches spend a great deal of time trying to teach their singing students how to breathe. Let me give you an example using the Tibetan Lama, okay? Please. 
the Tibetan Lama uh, sits with his fellow Lamas at one of the little tables, you know, about a foot high off the ground, and he has his little Sanskrit in front of him. And he reads his Sanskrit, and he practices three hours a day. Okay, This is his ritual that he does, so he is always breathing this way. Okay, and he sits here and he reads his Sanskrit. Now, I don't know Sanskrit, so I'm just going to make it up, okay? And he goes like this. Take the breath in. Now he takes the breath. And he keeps on going, okay? So what he is practicing is he is practicing blowing out slowly, which is really the key to proper breathing. I don't care how fast you take it in. Take it in according to need. You're climbing up Mount Everest, you're going to take it in every second. You're lying down doing some meditation or relaxing, take take it in longer, but always blow it out slowly. Okay? And so, you know, you have to look at what you practice and how you do it and try to incorporate that into into your um your meditation into your um, Tai Chi, your yoga, whatever you're doing. Your radio show hosting. Your radio, radio show, show hosting. hosting. <laughs> Much talking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lots of talking. Yeah. So, so that's kind of a summary of breathing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because I really never heard anything about breathe in fast, breathe out slow until probably uh, two years ago when uh, Esther and Jerry Hicks came out with... Um, uh, the first meditation CD that, that Abraham had ever been willing to do in some 22 years. And the biggest deal of, in the whole thing was the breathing. And they wanted you to breathe in fast. Now, they used counts, which are not the way Rosemary would like them to be, but to breathe in on a count of three and to breathe out for at least a count of five. And I I had trouble doing that at first. It's, it was backwards if anything, to the way I had been breathing. Can I say something about that? Please. There was actually an article in Runner's World. I was trying to run. I was going to be a runner back back when, 30 years ago. I was going to be a runner, and I couldn't run. I'd go out, and I'd run. This was before I learned about the breathing. I went out for six months, and I went a half a mile. I'd get a side stitch, and I'd walk home because my diaphragm actually went into spasm because I was doing backward breathing. And what that means is when you inhale, you fill up your chest, you exhale, your chest goes down, but your tummy goes out. Okay? That's backward breathing. If you do it the other way, when you inhale, your stomach goes out. Your chest doesn't move at all. And when you exhale, your tummy goes back in. I read that article. I had my hand on my chest and my tummy for the next four days. I ran four miles four days later. Couldn't believe it. It was actually shocking. And I'm going to say something about the count. There's some experts out there who talk about breathing in on the count of four and then hold it and then breathe out on the count of eight or something. Don't hold it. Do not hold it. Breathe a sine wave. Breathe in as as needed and blow out at least twice as long. And the reason I don't like holding it or doing any funny things is it's not natural. Okay? You want to do whatever is natural and you want to um, not get into the bad habit of breath holding. We've researched this a lot and we see if I just ask you stand up for a minute. 
what you just do with your breath. You held it. Oh, crap, I did. <laughs> okay. This is what people do. I did, yeah. too. People yeah. hold it all the Every time they exert themselves, they hold it. And what you <laughs> should be doing when you exert oh. is you should be blowing out. And blow out through pursed lips because that makes you more conscious. You'll stay in it. Well, the first thing I need to do is train myself to go back to stomach breathing. Yeah. Yeah. I spent Go back to baby breathing. I spent a year, a couple of years ago, trying to retrain myself to breathe using my chest. Oh, God. Because I remembered this thing that this doctor told me, and I thought that maybe that had something to do with some of my ailments. Well, I just wrote a book called Change Your Breathing, Change Your Health. And I'm going to say, yes, that probably had a heck of a lot to do with all of your ailments. Well, now, because now I'm going to go back to breathing the way I breathe. I, I used the way to you always my thought was right. That was comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's comfortable for me to breathe through my stomach. It seems like yeah. people tend to go back that way some w- when they're asleep. I, when you were talking, I was remembering the sound of my father snoring, and it. But the inhale was fairly rapid, and then the exhale was much longer, like the old cartoons where it would be, and then a real long whistle, you know. <laughs> And um, well, what we saw in Nepal, which was most interesting, was the doctors or the the climbers, the 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 Western trekkers. Most of them were doctors. Would carry this big backpack and would be like 65 pounds, okay? And they were walking straight, standing straight, trekking up the mountain. And you could hear them going, <gasps> you know, they literally made that noise, and every step was a breath like that. Now, that the Sherpas, on the other hand, they were bending over at the hip, and they or at the upper leg, and they were bending over, and they had these big, big, tr- sack, I mean, baskets on their back with this tumpa line that went from their forehead around the sack, the basket that held the, the basket in place, 150 pounds, no bigger than I am, and you'd hear them going, let me see, <laughs> You hear this little whistle breath, and it was that little whistle breath blowing out the mouth where they pursed the lips that was driving more oxygen into the system for one thing, but it was also slower. It was slower than... <gasps> yeah, it, it... It was different, and the doctors picked up on on it. They knew they were doing something different, but they never analyzed it, but they did analyze their blood gases, and they always found the surface had higher levels of CO2, and they could never understand it. They thought, oh, it was adaption. Yeah. Oh. But their behavior was different, and doctors never look at behavior. Well, too simple, not scientific. Exactly. Not complicated. Psychological. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, a, it, wonky well, stuff. It's, it's a, so wonky. It's, it's from it's their wonky. training of it's going to be some, mm-hmm. you know, complicated uh, imbalance in the biochemical process. Yeah. You have a chemical imbalance of some sort. Mm-hmm. That's often true. A result or a side effect, not the cause of some difficulty. Mm-hmm. I find mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your blood chemistry goes out of balance because of something else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's right, wonky. wonky. Um, now you actually you wrote a book about that. I wrote a book about breathing. Yeah. You wrote a book about mm-hmm. breathing, and you have written several others. Right. That uh, you're now getting prepared to publish mm-hmm. through a professional publisher. You want to tell us about, um, you, you've got this rather thick book that has the most interesting title, <laughs> and it's called Panties in a Twitch. Yes. <laughs> about 
the way people speak and the words that they say. Well, what I found, okay, I'll I'll tell you the original story and how it happened. I was a registry nurse. I was going to grad school at the time. And I returned to the hospital that night, and I had six patients. And I was um, going to go down and check them out and see what I was going to be dealing with that night. So I introduced myself to all of them. I got to the last little old lady, and she was she was all uh, curled up in bed in fetal position and white sheets and, and IVs and everything. And I introduced myself, and I asked her how she was. And this little tiny boy said, oh, honey, I'm just half here. And I thought, hmm. she kind of said it like, hi, how are you, fine, thanks, kind of like fine, thanks, you know. And I hadn't looked at the register yet, and I looked at it, and I was shocked. Guess what was wrong with her? She'd had a stroke, and she yeah. could only use half right. her body. You're the first one who's guessed that. Yep, she had a stroke, and she was paralyzed on one side. And I kind of just gasped, and I went, oh, my God, it happened to her. You know, or, or did it happen to her? How did this happen to her? So her husband came in a little later. And I, I I, told him what she said, and I said, have you ever heard her say this before? He says, oh, sweetheart, she's been saying that for the last 30 years. Okay? I went, oh, God, I don't think I like hearing that. Okay, so two weeks later, I'm in a car with my boyfriend, and we're on Whidbey Island, Washington. And I'm talking to him about buying a new Isuzu. I'd had 10 years of neck pain, okay? And I was... I was telling him that, you know, I wasn't so sure about buying a new Zuzu because I'd have to go to Seattle to get it serviced, and that would just be a big pain in the neck. And I kind of went, oh, my God. I heard myself say it. I thought about that woman, and I thought, i gotta, I got to change this. i got to change this. You know, I said, oh, um, um, I, I, um, I, I, could, I, could, um, I could get a loaner car, okay, for the day. And then I, I don't know, I could I could get on the bus and go downtown and go shopping. Yeah, well, for that matter, I could just take a book and read. And he looks over at me and says, what are you talking about? I said, don't worry, I have it all worked out. <laughs> 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 then I started doing my, my clinic, my neurofeedback and everything, and I started hearing this stuff right and left. People would come in and they would say all kinds of, of idioms, use all kinds of idioms that related to their illness. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, this one guy came back from his honeymoon, and he was talking about his honeymoon, and he said, I put everything on the back burner. And I said, I looked at him, and I said, do you have hemorrhoids? He says, yes, how'd you know? He said, you just told me. Another guy calls up and uh, he says, i got to cancel my appointment because um, my computer broke and I, I, I just don't have time. I said, you're right. He says, what, what do you mean? I said, you won't be around much longer. He says, what? I said, I think you better make time and get in here. He came. <laughs> my lawyer came in one day and he was, he hadn't told me why he, was made, why he made the appointment. He came in and he um and I was trying to make him feel comfortable, so I asked him something about his two girls, you know. And he says, well, Rosemary, um, um, my gut reaction to that is blah, blah, blah. And I said, John, are you here because of an ulcer? He said, yeah, how'd you know? I said, you just told me. You're a gut reactor. I said, do you use the expression gut feeling? Oh, yeah, 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 I use that. I said, do you ever say, um, I've had it up to here? I said, yeah, yeah, say that. Do you ever say, I can't stomach anymore? 
Yeah, yeah, I said that too. I said, do you ever see it's a pain in the rear? He said, no, 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 I never say that. <laughs> so I found these statements very specific to their particular illness. And it was just amazing. And I, I found in my therapy that I was doing with people that if you don't get rid of this language, you won't get rid of the problem. Because every time you say it, you're programming it. So over 23, 25 years of doing therapy, I collected about 250 of these. And it took me a long time to put them to, to paper, and I put them to a cartoon. So the first thought or idea that would come to mind, I would just draw it. And so I'm very anxious to get this book published because it's kind of it could be the kind of thing that you could make into cards, or you could make it a T-shirt. You could give your boyfriend, you know, a T-shirt or something that. Folks, now would be a wonderful time for us to take another break. It's a little bit early, but we'll go ahead because the uh, dogs have planned it for us. So I think this would be a great time to play one of uh, uh, Julian's pieces, uh, Julian Forrest, uh, who has been on the show and, uh, and, and, and is part of this in another way. And uh, so we'll be back in about uh, seven minutes. Stay with us, folks. Thank you. 
Sorry about that little interruption. Oh, not at all, not at all. We had some Ticos that were just leaving. They came up and the dogs started barking at them. <laughs> yeah, well, they life. they barked at us a bit when we, we walked downstairs and came back up during the break. And uh, they they just like everybody to know they're here. They, they have a tendency to uh, bark at me until I look at each one of them and say, I see you. <laughs> <clears throat> we all want attention, don't we? Oh, okay. I knew I'd find a good one. So uh, I'm flipping through Rosemary's book. Um, this is one that I used to use all the time. I still use it. Brain fart. Having a brain fart. Having a brain fart. Could be a stroke. Mini stroke. Really? Yeah, TIS. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Best, yeah. Best, best, best stop saying that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> Well, you want to recognize what you are saying, and as soon as you say it, stop, say cancel, and change it to a positive present tense statement, and then stop saying it, period. And you know what's really kind of fun is you can you can play this game with your family. You can have everybody catch each other, and you can write them on the refrigerator on a list or something. So every time anybody says this, you know, they they have to stop. Everybody stops and makes them change it. So you don't yeah. get into the habit. You get out of the habit, so to speak. Well, and, <laughs> and to become conscious of yeah. the uh-huh. things that you're saying. Uh, words have, beyond their meaning, they have a vibration to them. And they do. And, and the Russians have found that that actually is changing your DNA. I, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, our DNA rewrites itself all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not some static thing that, like I was led to believe in science and biology. Some, some study by Bruce Lipton, who is a doctor at Stanford, and he's done research on epigenetics. Right. And what they found is in some twin studies, they studied probably about 40 sets of twins, and they looked at some strands of their DNA among the, the youngest ones who actually were separated. These were twins who were all separated. And they looked at the youngest ones, and they found their strands to be rather similar. And by the time the oldest ones were like 84 years old, they found that they could have been two completely different people. They had almost no similarity at all, but they were raised in different environments, which then goes to say that environment is more important than the genes. Well, I've heard it said about like, a birth chart of astrology or this or that it's that's the energy you started with mm-hmm. but you can yeah change it yeah uh, a little nine-year-old philosopher earlier was talking about is it destined or do you, and he said well there, there there may be destiny but you can change it mm-hmm. and and i certainly believe that it's kind of interesting because you can look at your hand too and see that you see on your on your i can't remember which it is but one hand shows your your um, word for it. Heart line, lifeline. Well, there's a heart line and lifeline, but this is your destiny. Ah. Destiny line. And it's it's in the middle of the palm, and it goes straight up toward the fingers. And if you look at your two hands, you'll see they're very different. Mine are. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have a very strong destiny line on my right hand and hardly any on my left hand. So I'm creating it. And what what I found um, when I was studying palmistry, really mm-hmm. when I started doing my research, is that um, 
be honest and truthful and, and the ones, the palmistry readers who go back, way back, like, I mean, we're talking gypsy mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. Um, palmistry, mm-hmm. is that they will tell you that your lines will shift and change and alter as you as you age and as you grow and as you change. So they say, well, we can tell you what you see now, but mm-hmm. you can... You're the master. You, you ma- you're, you're the master. You can change that. And next time we see you, your lines will have shifted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that to me is an indicator. I mean, and that's coming from people who've done this ten generations. You know what I mean? Like they've they've studied it forever. It's it's kind of in their blood. So for them to say yes, it's it's, it's a prediction, but it's a prediction of your now energy. Well, what I'm hearing you say, Jean, is that we don't have to just settle for whatever. No, we no. can create in ourselves whatever we choose. We can we can get rid of probably almost every illness that we have. We can be whoever we want. No, great, literally, and that's one literally. of the keys that I've learned in the show is that, and and it goes so much further beyond just your own personal health. It goes to, it spreads to your environment, it spreads to your world, it spreads to the people that you interact with. One of the interesting things that Rick and I have noticed is that some of the people that we used to hang out with that we would have thought now would be on really like different, weird, alternate paths that we kind of let go of in our past because they, they weren't going down the same path as us. Um, but they ended up at the same place? They, they end up at the same place, but it's almost like they're different people. Yeah. So they are a different representation of the same person mm-hmm. for us. And I think that when you look at reality and when you look at your world, you can it, it really is. It boils down to two things and two things only. It's choice and perception. You choose how to perceive your world. If you choose to change your perception of it, your world in turn changes. That's your basic bottom rule of thumb rule for living. Look at the world the way you want to see it. Sounds, Not, like, sounds like enlightenment. Well, oh. <laughs> no, enlightenment, well, enlightenment just means lighten up. <laughs> it mostly means lighten up's a big key part yeah. of it. But a great example was our travel from the capital here uh, uh San Jose down to the mango tree. Uh, the first, the, the journey, according to the GPS and 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 and, and several people that I had asked, should be about three and a half hours long, four hours long. Absolutely. We took three and a half hours to do about the first hour worth of that. We were in really slow traffic, just clogged. Slow indicates because it was Easter weekend and everyone was leaving San Jose to go to the beach. To go to the beach. It was it was Holy Week here, big vacation. They go to the beach. Yes, it's not normal. It normally is a three and a half hour drive to come down here, and it's a beautiful drive. But we laughed our way all the way here, and I didn't feel I didn't feel particularly stressed. I was a little hot and sweaty being in a car and all of that stuff, he's going that slow, the air conditioner wasn't going to do much, and we weren't willing to roll up our windows and miss the smells and sights and sounds of Costa Rica. Uh, but it, And most of the people that we saw were talking with each other or looking at the other cars, but they were leaving to go on vacation. I can see those same people being in that same traffic on the way to work and being... No, this, Not necessarily the co- Costa Ricans, is, but back this is home. something about Costa Rica that, you know, I might say something about. Yes, please. The Costa Ricans are like that period. That's part of the Pura Vida. Pura Vida. And if you go, I mean, they spend a lot of time in line waiting. You go to the bank, and I think there's probably 30 chairs in the bank. 
Thank heavens they have chairs now. <laughs> and these Costa Ricans sit on those chairs. They don't read. They just sit there and they wait their turn. And one of the things that I've learned in Costa Rica, and everyone either has to learn or they don't make it here, is patience. And it's a beautiful thing about these people is they have a lot of patience. And, uh, you know, the Puerto Vida, you were mentioning that mm-hmm. earlier, and I'll say something about that Please. now at this time. I wrote an article about it. It's on my blog, on my webpage, and it, it goes into far more detail than I am. But it's 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 kind of like a meditation. When you say it, it's it's like my book. You say it enough times, and it becomes who you are. And Costa Rica has been has been said to be the happiest country on the planet. And when you say everything is pura vida, good life, pure life. That's what it is. And you say it over and over and over again. It becomes your way of thinking, your way of being in this. In this so, so much like the in your book, you have all these things people say over and over mm-hmm. that result in an unwanted outcome. Exactly. That you can also use the, the same tool in the positive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can make it. You can make it whatever you want it to be. And it can quite literally shift your reality. I mean, you oh, have yes. to remember that when you when you interact with people, if you expect them to screw you over. They will. They're gonna screw you. They're gonna do it if you expect them to be rude. Expect them to take care of you and to shelter you and to protect you and to work with you. Then, then that's the person that you are gonna deal with because that's how you see the world. And it's not about what other people see or what they perceive. It's really about what your expectations of life are. It's coming down here. I looked. uh, I I do research. Gene doesn't. That's our two ways that we. Come to the show, come to what we do, and I don't do a lot, uh, but, you know, I looked at some articles about the plant life and animal life down here. I looked at uh, several uh, dozen things about Pura Vida, Um, and every once in a while, particularly when I was looking for recommendations of a good GPS map for Costa Rica, there would suddenly be these great discussions about traffic and trying to drive somewhere and how horrible it was, and, oh, don't you dare come on Holy Week because... It will take you 10 years to get from San Jose to the beach. (laughs) And every time somebody started into one of these tirades, I went to another website because it, yes, it took us a long time to get here in the traffic, but we had a great time. And we weren't angry. We talked, we we laughed. We we stopped at a roadside fruit stand and bought fruit and sweets. We had a fantastic meal at, at another stop along the roadside cafe thing and and you know i had a great conversation with a little lady from who knows where i i just and i think if you if you approach life that way really when somebody starts talking the negative and they start telling you everything that's wrong with the world you can choose to focus in on that or you can choose to shift your attention to what's going right in the world and trust me when i tell you there's literally thousands if not millions of people on the planet working in their own little way to make this world a better place focus on that look for those people as soon as you start asking for it it's going to keep coming to you you're going to see more of it you're going to be blessed by it you're going to be inspired by it you're going to be enthralled by it you're going to be celebrating it and pretty soon life is just going to be fun because all that fear goes away and that's that's exactly what you're One talking our, about in your book, is that you're writing about be careful what you say. Be careful what you wish for, really, mm-hmm. in the end. Exactly. How much worse can it get? Exactly. Wait a minute. We'll show you because the universe will do that. Yeah. So, you know, switch that 
switch that it's question a, over to how much more fun can it get? How much more entertaining can it get? How, how much good more can you get? stand how, it? How good can you stand it? Absolutely. I mean, it it has been a theme in this show from the beginning. And yes, two weeks later, we were not in Costa Rica. But here we are, and uh, we haven't advertised this show. We haven't pushed it on people. We have gone from two members of our friends and family at the first show to some thousands of podcast listeners some 2500 to 3000 podcast listeners every week just because it's it's fun for us we hope it's fun for everybody else but we're not going to blow smoke up anybody's skirts or anything else uh we're not going to be a pain in your butt no. So you probably shouldn't be a pain in your own. And, <laughs> and 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 we'll call it like we see it. And and I I just have a feeling based on my own past experience that had I arrived here with this idea that look this is going to be a torturous, horrible journey. Ugh, that the exact same trip in the exact same amount of time could have been a torturous thing. And and, and, and isn't that sentence. much what you've what you've discovered in oh and it, 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 the, the number of things that could have gone wrong I don't know but that's exactly what you're talking about in this book yeah. with these these idioms that people use and wouldn't this be fun I mean just I'm I'm thinking way ahead and I'm going oh wouldn't this be fun to make those um, those iron on things that you could put on a shirt. Short transfers, yeah. And so my husband always says, blah, 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 so I'm going to give him that for Christmas. And that'll make him aware if nothing else does. You know, I keep telling him to quit saying that. You need one, James, <laughs> for what you said earlier, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I, it, but it is I a, noticed it, and now I'm going to stop yeah. saying it. Yeah, you see, because exactly. I, when I was trying to get better, I stopped saying that, you know, um, my back is killing me. Mm-hmm. Because it was. my back literally was killing me. <laughs> it was killing you. A, an old fracture in my spine was killing yeah. me. It was sucking the life out of me. Pain in the neck. Yeah. And people often giggle about stuff, you know. that I, I remember in my younger days when I was a bit less conscious about, well, I was not conscious about much of anything. It was, you know, <laughs> you'd get together with some friends and you'd get out a bottle of, of booze or whatever's your diversion of pleasure there. And you go, oh, let's kill a few brain cells. Okay. That's just not a really good thing to be saying about anything you might be doing. You actually said that. Yeah, once oh, upon a time, once upon a time, and and uh, and I remember, I remember, you know, uh, we've talked about the fact before that 2007, I briefly departed the planet, and I used to talk about, yeah, I know this is going to kill me one day, but oh. I'm having too much fun. Well, it's a horror. Yeah. Rosemary's over here having the shivers just hearing me even say it now, but I, 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 I just, I had no idea, and I didn't pay much attention and thought it was funny or something, mm-hmm. and you know, oh, this is gonna kill me. Yeah, that's hilarious, and then, yeah, yeah. it, it doesn't <laughs> really. Me today, it doesn't make any sense. Me today almost doesn't know the Rico Shields that was 10 years ago, even three years ago, but particularly uh, six, seven, ten years ago, back before I had the uh, supreme wake-up call, so to speak, and I'm glad that it was that and not the, you know, fulfillment of my speakings. Well, I know some, some cardiac patient who says, um, I'm buried all the time. 
Ah. And I know another one who says I'm up to my neck. Yeah. Just think about those. They're incredible. Well, if you'd like to put yourself in the ground, that's a hell of a quick way to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and uh, you know, folks in my life right now that, you know, will say, you know, uh, say, how, how you doing? They go, I'm in the weeds. I can't. Ah. And or uh, a favorite one in Texas is I'm up to my ass and alligators. Well, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's another death sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people, it, it is, um, it is. You have to be conscious of what you're saying and what vibration you're putting out to the world. And, um, and yeah, yeah, we 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 catch ourselves still. The There's stuff that gets pointed time. out to us now. Oh my goodness! It, yeah. it, um, I'm far from perfect, but that's okay. I'm perfectly imperfect. I like it. Perfectly here. imperfect, and and. And like we have said often, your only valid comparison is compare you to you, and and I'm so much better than doing I was so much better than I was. <laughs> I had a friend, I'll take it. I had a friend once who I I remember I'll never forget it because it just shocked me, and I said, "How are you?" And she's perfect. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> it really hit hard. Yeah. And I was like, that is really neat. That's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. That's really neat. That's really cool. I like that. Now I don't know if we do have another um, guest out there listening. I know that he's been uh, listening in um, for an invite into the show. So um, if you're out there, if you're out there <laughs> on the show page, you can click his, the Skype button. It his, will connect name, you directly. His name is Eric Rivkin, and he's a raw food specialist expert. And uh, we want him to come down to the um, mango tree and teach classes. He's done that before. He's absolutely fabulous. He'll talk to you about raw food. And maybe while we're waiting for him, we could have Gabe come over and and, uh, join us. Our dear friend Gabriel. And maybe say some things about the mango that he might like to say. He's arranged this um, incredible connection that we've made with Rosemary and with the mango tree. It's part of the connection for why we played that Julian Forrest song. Yeah. Uh, Julian introduced us to Gabriel, and uh, Gabriel said something about, "Well, you'll have to come down to Costa Rica sometime so we can talk about X, Y, and Z." And and here you are. And he said, "Because I can't talk right now because I'm going to Costa Rica next week." And we kind of looked at each other over Skype and said, "Okay, Costa Rica it is. Here we go." <laughs> Creating your reality, right? That's it. <laughs> Choice and perception. Though. Choice and perception, baby. Because Could have sat there and said, well, you know, well, one day we'll maybe have the money. I don't know. Very natural evolution it was. It yeah. was. It was. So, uh, Gabriel. Yes. Who on earth are you and what do you do? <laughs> what do I do? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I guess I could call myself a philanthropist and a... Uh, uh, explorer, leader. Uh, I, I spent my whole life uh, being involved with several different things that, that I, I have passion for. And I think they have, over my lifetime, um, evolved into one direction now, which is to bring about higher consciousness and uh, conservation, uh, eco-sustainable living, and to attract the mass of people globally to this in a very unique way. Sort of to try to bring it a little more mainstream and in maybe in ways that some eco-warriors 
Not sure I like that term either. Uh, I'm might, might see as the channel to to sort of bring that to the to the public, whoever that is. The public. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very non-conventional model, but uh, just like just like your show has evolved in my life, it's just started moving in these directions, and I really uh, never consciously thought about a plan to get to where I am today. I started out in uh, action sports when I was really young. I started surfing when I was five years old. I got involved with music when I was uh, 12. I got my first recording contract when I was in high school. So I've been actively involved in uh, the music, entertainment world, and action sports all of my life. And so that led me into uh, business as well, and opening an action sports manufacturing company. It is... Uh, as I uh, started touring in music, um, I was like wild and crazy. And and, and uh, when I first went out on, on, on tour with Rick Nelson and the Stone Canyon Band, uh, I, I, I really didn't, uh, had no really consciousness of, of what I was actually really doing. Because I was really, really young. And all I wanted to do was just play music and have fun and chase women. So that's all I really did at that time. And it ended up being... Um, total chaos for me actually and uh, I kind of ruined my own musical career because I was like out of control but everything always happens for a reason because what I found out was that as I began to work in the back end of that industry uh, I, w I enjoyed it so much more than I ever did actually being on stage and it gave me the opportunity that's when I really started um, finding out that I got like an immense amount of enjoyment in working with other people and helping other people realize their own talents and, and rise to, you know, higher and higher levels within that. And so I've been actively doing that for, you know, the past 30 years of my life. Kind of like Everyday Connection. We, we say often that we, we, we just like to get on the radio and tell people how awesome they are. Because they are. It's a It's a great I, – I told somebody that – on the trip, they were asking what I do for a living, and I stole a line from one of our guests. I get, I, I get to tell people that, you know, I love them every day. I get to love people for a living. I get to love people. I get paid to love people. I get paid to tell people how awesome they are. That has got to be the best job in the world. Well, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because I, I think that uh, so many people are afraid to use that word. Now, I know so many people that, that uh, almost will never say the word uh, love or I love you or what have you. I don't know what it is with the uh, – it's not so much here. There's a lot of affection here. People uh, smile at you. They wave at you. Thank drive you. by. Vida, they hug you. It's a completely different culture here. And, and I was talking to Charles Gilchrist a little bit earlier today, and he mentioned me. He said, you know, Gabriel, I saw that picture of you and the two hosts from uh, the Everyday Connection uh, – radio show, and he goes, there's a difference in you already. And, and, and Did you hear that? Did you hear that noise? I see oh, a difference. Yeah. I see a difference in you from being in that element that you're actually you're at in Costa Rica now and working. Sorry, I just thought it was odd. I just thought it was odd that, you know, and Charles is a very intuitive individual, you know, and we work so close together, hours upon hours of working together. And, uh, so I was thinking it's it's kind of uh, ironic 
Yeah, we're, we're talking about some of these areas right now. That yeah, and I find it very ironic that it, it, back home in the States, uh, guys talk about, amongst themselves, you know, you know, they talk about being macho and being having machismo, mm-hmm. and that's why you don't tell people you love them, you don't hug them. I say, oh, I don't do that. Don't you talk, don't touch me, and and yet you come down here where they are saying the word machismo comes from, and it is not the way the people are. It's not been my experience. Uh, I'd, I'd like to point out from a woman's perspective, I have yet to meet a quote-unquote macho tough guy who doesn't have his genteel, tender moment once he gets into a situation where he feels safe, where he doesn't have to be guarded. So let's not put it all on the macho guy who thinks he has to be. Let's put a little bit of responsibility onto society for expecting that dude should be Well, we'll I'll put almost all of it on society, but... That's why just why me. did we do that to our men? I don't get it. Why did we ever do that to our men? That's and, unfair. And it, 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 when they get into a situation where they feel safe, well, folks, i got to tell you, you're as safe as you're going to ever get. Gene uh, has said it many times. When it's your time, it's your time, and I don't care what you do about it, it's your time. And so... I got ten feel safe, feel open. Uh, my life is so much better just being me. If if I don't like something, I'll tell you. But if I like something, I'll tell you. And and I tell almost everybody that I love them, and I really do, and always have. But it was not something that was done, so to speak. And uh, because I grew up in a in a in a high pressure private education institution that sends virtually every graduate to college and and many national merit scholars and I was a national merit scholar fi- semi uh, finalist and 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 uh, it just you know is not well it's not healthy I don't think and it's not who we really are. We, we, there, we have a choice, you know, and and we're, we are all energy, and I do believe in the laws of attraction, and there is a and there is an equal equation that exists for the way that you are living your life, and, and, and everything is manifested through thought. So if you're spending your life in negative thoughts, that's what you're sending out to the universe, and you're going to get back an equal ratio of exactly what you're sending out. So if you're spending, say, for example, 60% of your time thinking negatively, you're going to get 60% negative results back to your life. So there's an exact equal equation to it. It's it's absolutely true. And and one of the things that people often talk about is this this issue of abundance. And what, what you're saying reminds me of how often I've heard people say that scary phrase. I don't have enough money for that right now. In fact, I am famous for using that phrase. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I don't have enough money for that right now. Instead of saying George will provide it. Universe will provide it. God will provide or, it. There or, will be a way found and it'll work out and it'll be okay. I go. I revert back to that phrase of I don't have enough money for that right now. When I need to, I'll have enough money. Switch it up. Change 
change the way you feel about it. Change the way you think about it. Or just don't even bother with the how. And just if somebody tells you about something, you go, wow, that would be awesome. I would love to do that. And leave it at that. You don't have to worry yeah. about the rest of it. Let it go. Just let it go. Let go. Let God. Yeah, yeah, and you, that you that might... entire premise is the reason I'm here at the Mingo Tree with Rosemary. We are, I feel very fortunate to have met her through a mutual friend and writer, uh, Jameson, and 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 I think that um, there's a reason for everything. And when when Rosemary and I first started talking, neither one of us had any like, or at least I didn't have any real clue of what how this was going to happen, or even thought about anything actually even happening. We just started communicating, and something magical just started happening. Something uh, that just seemed more right every single day, every single day. And I was actually, she was gracious enough to, to actually introduce me uh, to Jim Gale, who, who is the founder of the Osa Mountain Village and the eco-sustainable or off-the-grid eco-sustainable new project, Serenity Gardens. And uh, Jim and I started talking and, and uh, a couple of months went by, a couple more, you know, two or three more months had gone by and... I said, good, okay, I, th- I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and come to Costa Rica uh, to find out what this is all about because I had spent the majority of the past 20-plus years as a construction uh, contractor in general and uh, construction manager in some of the biggest projects in the world, including many of the uh, casinos in Las Vegas and, and, and hotels and one of the largest historical renovation projects in, in Detroit, which is the Roderick Tower. And... It, the economy in America was already dictating for the past five years that I needed to re- like restructure my organization. And I was already changing as a person already. And I was finding that it was becoming harder and harder for me to be involved with projects that were basically against what I was beginning to become. I, could, I couldn't do it anymore. And so when I came to Costa Rica, I had a chance to go meet, meet Rosemary, and then I went up and saw uh, the projects that were going up in... Uh, yeah, Osa Mountain up there, it just it just it solidified where I knew what I needed to do. It told me what exactly what I needed to do, but not only with with my construction, but with my entire organization. And I was able to go back and restructure, come back here. And when I during that time that I went back, things started changing. And and all of a sudden the mango tree started becoming way more important. It was changing. What I originally thought that I was going to do in Costa Rica, all of a sudden started changing. And so we're here today, and I feel very thankful to to be working with Rosemary in all the different uh, areas that we're doing, uh, because we're going to be doing some amazing work here in in creating some new additional uh, community developments, eco-community developments here, other than what's happening at Osa Mountain and Serenity. And I, I feel really, really pleased to be a part of that and be a part of work with Rosemary here at, at the Mango Tree because uh, um, I'm right where I need to be. You know, and my, I, I miss my family dearly and I can't wait to get them here and, and to go back and forth. I still have a lot of business in the United States that I, I definitely uh, will keep going. But uh, just as you said, uh, the energy will lead its way. It, it will. And, and again, it gets back to that. And our, our caller is on the line. We do see you, okay. sweetie. So um, we'll, we'll be you. able to talk to you in a second. But again, it, it goes back to that let go and let God. And that was probably the <coughs> most hard hitting. And oh, it took me three years and 
-hmm. a lot of heartache to figure that one out. But the one thing that the Philippines did teach me is those preconceived notions that this is what I'm going to be. This is who I am. Idea that you have going into this kind of work, your delusions will be revealed for the illusions that they are. And and I think that you have to walk into it with an open heart and open mind and allow for the direction. Let go, let God. And just trust, you know? And, and really, again, like it comes down to when you meet somebody and you want to work with them, you can decide right then and there, do I trust you or are you the ass that's going to screw me over? And if you choose the trust, then trust is going to be rewarded. And and I think that people need to remember that when they're embarking on this journey is that they, they need to do it with an open heart and open mind and, and allow the good things that you deserve, that we all deserve, every one of us deserve to come. It's a free free will zone. You You can choose, but you must choose and choose again. It's not one big, you know, okay, I'm going to be uh, whatever. And and it goes with Rosemary's book of things people say. When people ask, who are you? Don't say, I'm a banker or or I'm a radio host. When people ask me what I do, I tell them I have a radio show. But when people ask me who I am, I tell them, I, it's a hard question to answer. I do a little so, ah, wow. Because... Is it? <laughs> Well, what am I today? What hour is it? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not willing to put myself in a little box anymore. Of I'm this, and my identity is tied to. Because what if you get your identity all tied up with your career or or whatever, and then something happens that you're not in that career anymore? Have you lost yourself? No. <laughs> Where but did you, I go? But it may seem that way. It may feel that way. Your reality may go that way. Rick, I was at a, a workshop once, and um, it was for five days, and it was a workshop on enlightenment. And one of the questions that we could ask or ha- have asked of us was, who am I? And the other person, we would pair off at 30 minutes apiece for five days, from 6 in the morning to 12 at night. And you, the other person would ask you your question, and if it happened to be, who am I? You had to answer that question for, you know, half that period of time because they had their question, too. This went on for five years, five days. It was like peeling an onion because you started out with that career thing or whatever, and then you just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was, it was a beautiful experience. It was really finding out, who am I? That's yeah. been the lifelong journey for me. Mm-hmm. It's been a lifelong journey of discovery for me. And I, and I feel like I'm just, I'm just beginning. Yeah, it need not be over. I I I am not. You're always beginning if you choose. I'm not under any impression that I have discovered the width, depth, breadth, and ends of me. That's uh, why you came back. And um, finished. Thank God. Yeah. So, you know, off we go. That's it. What you know? What you're going to Costa Rica? What? Why? Well, because I can. <laughs> one, I think it's going to be grand, and two. I just have a feeling. Can I um, can I say something about why we have this other speaker coming in? Yeah, yes, absolutely. please do, because we can get him in. He'll just be kind of coming out of the blue. Gabe and I, one of our one of our talks have has been about starting a restaurant here, and I've kind of shifted that into the idea of why don't we have different types of cooks come here who can teach cooking 
and then you get to eat it. And you have something, you know, we have a, let's say, a raw food cook. We have a vegetarian cook one day. We have a sushi cook one day. We have a, a fish cook one day. You know, we keep changing it every day of the week. And so we have a wonderful raw foodist in this area. He lives up halfway to San Ysidro, and his name is Eric Rivkin. And so I asked him if he would be on this show. He's a great talker, and he will give you some some tips on on uh, why we should eat raw food, what it does to our bodies, and um, maybe give an example. And then he's going to talk about you know what kind of classes he'll have to offer. And he's been here. He's a local. He's yeah. He well no, he's from the states also, but he lives here. But he's been Whatever here for a long time. He's been here about I think probably about the same time I have. Okay, so we can ask and him for a Vita too. This will be an interesting uh, uh, adventure for us because this, uh, uh, the way we're set up right now, um, Rosemary and Gabriel are not going to be able to hear Eric. So uh, Jane and I are going to talk to Eric, uh, and and uh, uh, if you don't hear our other guests chiming in, it's not because they don't have tremendous r- wisdom to add. It's just because they can't hear what's going on. <laughs> so um, we're going to go over to... Uh, uh, Eric for a bit, I hope, is Eric Rivkin. Are you with us? How are you? Hello. Okay. Caller from area code 630. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Um, yeah, it just kind of has been in a um, kind of, I don't know, position of kind of let go, let God, but kind of in between um, not knowing exactly what I want to do, and I don't know. I feel like it's a stalemate. Well, a lot of things, um, in particular, I was employed 10 years and then lost my job, and it was a pretty good job, and I really enjoyed it most of the time. And then, so I looked for a year and two months. I finally found something, and I've been at the place 10, six months. And off and on, I like it sometimes. Sometimes I'm a little bored. I just... So the people are nice, but the level isn't as high as I wanted. I thought it would be like a bit more managerial, and I'd have more abilities to run things myself. But it seems that they don't like that as much as you know they want to train you their way and do things their way, and you know follow rules completely, and kind of just that kind of relationship. So I kind of feel that I don't know. I want to stay a couple of years and look at it like for experience. I'm learning education for the field that I'm. In, in nonprofits, so I'm learning about that specific area. But I don't know now. I mean, I'm thinking after I get the experience, because I feel that I have to be a certain way with them to get along. Like, it has to be where, and it's fine, but I have to, like, follow their direction. I just, I can't, they don't, like, she doesn't think my boss, I have enough to contribute because I haven't been there long enough. And I don't know. It just seems like it just, you should have, I thought they would have liked new ideas, but. They want me to learn their way and to do the job a certain way. and So I have to just adjust to that, but I don't know. I feel a little bit like it kind of gets me a little sad because, you know, the minute I tried doing that, I got, like, in trouble. They didn't like it. So I told them, I'm sorry, and I'll just kind of follow your direction because that's the way you need. So then they seemed happy with that. But I feel like I'm not going to have a lot of growth, though, and it's kind of bothering me a little. Well, um, but you know, I, I would, are honest with me, you know. Yeah, I would just give you one suggestion: don't compromise yourself if if you can help it. And um, uh, I appreciate you calling me. in, and we but, but, we 
How we, can you uh, not compromise yourself? You know what I'm saying? Well, if they I'm, told you that they don't I appreciate want you to. I appreciate you. I really appreciate you calling in tonight. This is not the, the, the type of show we're doing tonight, but we do sometimes. So I appreciate you joining us, and, and I do hope that you'll uh, join us again sometime. Uh, thanks so much for calling. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break um, and play our other Peace Prayer song uh, because it just seems fitting. And uh, uh, we'll be back in about uh, six minutes, folks. Stay with us.
Welcome back, everybody. That was our dear friend, Larissa Stowe, and her group, the Shakti Tribe, with their peace prayer song. And you can find her at larissastowe.com, L-A-R-I-S-A-S-T-O-W.com. So go check them out. Wonderful music, wonderful stuff that they're doing as well. Um, apparently, uh, Mr. Ripken may not be able to to join us, and uh, that's that's a real pity, and we will do our best and endeavor to have him with us uh, on a future show. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and continue with the uh, uh, theme that we've been having with Pura Vida every day, which is what's going on down here in Costa Rica and some of the special things that are going on here at the Mango Tree uh, and uh, these other eco-developments that are going on. Um, so Gabriel, why don't you uh why don't you tell us about some of the uh some of the special things that are coming up here uh uh, uh going to be going on here at the Mango Tree, some of the special uh uh events uh and 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 things that you've uh, been working on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, when Rosemary and I started talking about uh, uh trying to work together uh with the Mango Tree, I'd uh I've spoken to her about some of my ideas uh, about what I really felt that this particular facility uh, possessed in terms of um, the u- uniqueness and the, and the beauty of what she's created here uh, because uh, I, I really felt that with her background, knowledge, expertise, and, and, and education along with this particular f- facility that to me it, it just c- kept calling out for like being almost an institute of higher learning, a facility that could actually be... be uh, designed and marketed towards being one of the most recognized locations in the world for higher learning of all different kinds. Uh, we're right in the middle of rainforest, unbelievable amount of medicinal plants. Uh, Rosemary's uh, background in the medical world already and what she does on her own, perfect, perfect union with, with uh, trying to do even internship programs where kids can come here and participate in very unique studies and so forth. What I'd love to have people do is come here and we just walk around every single household here, Tico household, and ask them about the medicinal plants that they use. Can we do it Monday? Sure, we could start. <laughs> we could just start <coughs> documenting it. Can we go check yeah. it out on Monday and I'll take the camera and we'll go? Yeah, sure we can. All right, we'll see cool. what happens. Yeah, we'll start that. And All then, right. And then we can create a book and just, you know, everyone who comes here can learn something about medicinal plants. That'd be awesome. I'd love to get a chance to talk to the locals. Yeah. I would, that would be like, that's always, whenever I go to any country, that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. I don't want to sit in a hotel somewhere. No. I want to talk to the locals. I want to find out what's going on. What do you guys know that I don't know? Okay. There's because a, I know that they know that. There's a tremendous amount here with the flora, fauna. There's just so much for the world to find out and understand about our existence. And how valuable that the rainforest is, the Costa Rican rainforest is. And I know that uh, those are areas that we're going to continue to develop programming for and special events for and have some of the most noted and accomplished individuals in each of those fields come here to do workshops. Uh, One of them is Charles Gilchrist who will be coming and joining us. He's already working on his uh, totem animal Costa Rican Rainforest Totem Animal Series is going to be coming here to do an in-depth sabbatical and study of this region and, and many other things. So we're going to be having a, a, phen- a phenomenal event 
centered around the teacher's teachings of sacred geometry with none other than Charles Gilchrist. And for those of you that might have missed our show, uh, Where Charles Was With Us, uh, if you've ever searched on YouTube for information, just put sacred geometry and click search. Charles Gilchrist will be 80% of the results on that first page, <laughs> including the top. And I, I would recommend his Sacred Geometry 101 series if you don't understand Sacred Geometry and you're like, what's up with that? And somebody gives you some complex mathematical explanation. It can be a complex mathematical thing, but Charles has a gift, in my opinion, for bringing that understanding to people. Um, I know that, that halfway through our show, Jane was like, I get it. Yeah, I, I, I recall that. She she just like blurted that out, and all of a sudden the light turned on. Boom. And, and see, here's the thing about the whole higher consciousness area of what we are actually even doing with the eco-sustainable developments. We're not just going to come here and build eco-sustainable um, projects. We're going to employ all of the sacred geometry universal principles of our entire existence in the design in every way possible in what we're doing here. So we're actually taking it to a, a direction and, and, and further down the road than anyone that I know that's actually working in eco-sustainable development. One of the things we're going to do with Charles, too, is um, have him work with the students who will be coming, who choose to come, um, to paint one a mandala on, on one of my big plain walls, and on the other wall we already have a dragon. I've already painted a dragon in the phoenix, and Charles wants to incorporate other aspects into that very painting. And maybe um, um, you can, I can send you a picture of the existing dragon, and we can put it on your webpage. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I've already can... taken five pictures of it because okay. it's the dragon and the phoenix. I yeah. mean, that's my, it's my totem. And then what we'd love <laughs> to have everybody do is submit your ideas. Yeah, see, so um, what, what the deal is, is when Charles comes here, anyone who, who enrolls in that period of time that he's here and comes to the mango tree, every one of those individuals will have the opportunity to actually have hands-on with Charles Gilchrist working on the wall. And, and, and just making this amazing integrative project come to life. And Charles is known for his mandalas, and so that will be a very, very special project that we that Wall is just sitting there waiting for him to. Yeah, I expect a whole lot of healing and holing. And I, when I say whole, I mean as in making you whole um, kind of energy around that because I think that that's going to be the energetic around that project every time they talk about it it feels it feels like a very soothing experience to me. yes a, a very stimulating yet at the same time very soothing experience and and that's it may sound paradoxical it's been my experience particularly of late that when you run up against paradox you're getting close to the middle <laughs> well because everything converges at the middle so paradox can coexist and and uh, uh, so some of the other great things that are happening is it, is we will be expanding and, and, and we're looking uh, Rosemary and I have already been talking about trying to duplicate what she has here in her villas and we're actually she built this so good and and she designed yeah, she really it so did. well that really we're did. actually we're actually looking to try and take the exact 
lower and upper upper um, villa villa uh, rooms and stuff, Can and take it into the, and take it into the new and take it into the new design on, on what we're going to do in the rainforest in another community. So we're looking to, to actually take this side and duplicate it over on the other side, and then also do some renovation up above the pool area to bring forth all of the uh, broadcasting and stuff and, and, and some of the music world. And we will have Julian Forrest here to do some, some great teaching in his area as well. And one of the other areas that you haven't mentioned is we are very interested in writers coming here too. We mm -hmm. want writers. We want to do author, author workshops. We also want to do, we also want to attract garden people. It's really crazy about Costa Rica because every single picture has beautiful the, the beautiful flora and fauna, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen one advertising to a garden club yet, not one. And I find it very odd that that's not being highlighted and really brought here, but we want to do some wonderful... Yeah, because it seems a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit, absolutely perfect. So if any of you are involved in garden clubs or anything like that, talk to your people and talk about coming down here and, and doing some sort of a project with us. We're very interested in that. Now, many of the plants that you you may have picked up, you know, at the tropical plant section in your garden nursery, and 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 you you, you may have trouble keeping them alive, or maybe you're doing well. They're growing all over the place out here. <laughs> They're just everywhere. It, and yeah. and you don't have to go to the nursery and get them. They're just there already. They were here before we were. So um, it's a fantastic way to see these things in their in their natural environment, their natural surroundings. And we also want to um, say that if you come here, we really want you to be a part of, of this operation, so to speak, and we want you to leave something here that you've created. And so you can always come back, bring your families or whatever else, and, and really say, I did that painting, or I did that, you know, I planted that plant over there. That's my, I've got my I name helped on with it. this. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't want just a five-star hotel type of operation here. We really want you to come and experience Pura Vida. And that's, and that's the magic of the mango tree. Um, I mean, you have to remember that we're using modern technology in the middle of the rainforest, mm -hmm. out in the mountains, Impossible. to be able to broadcast, broadcast around the world. Right now, we're doing it right now live. Live global broadcast. People can... Call in from all over the globe, and here we sit in the jungle. So when I get off the show, I get to go jump in the pool, cool off, and go to my villa, cook dinner, come back, relax, have a glass of wine. Coming here to learn about local traditions, local customs, to add something to this place and to learn something from this place is not going to rob you of your comfort. If anything, it's going to teach you what real comfort is. It's going to remind you what it is to slow down, what it is to look inside, what it is to reflect, what it is to look at your environment and to appreciate the glory of Mother's Embrace. Ooh, yeah. But to do it with comfort. We have a guest here right now who is sitting up here with us. Lena, would you like to come over for a moment? Okay. And she went off on a fabulous trip today. She's an awesome yoga teacher from Sweden. And uh, who we will be having on the show in the future, the by the way. So keep your eyes peeled for that. <laughs> and she went on a trip, which is one of the ones that I really recommend to people 
um, who come down here, they, they, they go down about 45 minutes from here to Sierpe, which is on the Osa Peninsula. And she got on a, on a boat with 12 others, 11 others. And uh, she went down to 25 kilometers of mangroves. And then she, so she, she was experiencing the mangrove trip. She went out across the bar into the ocean. And you said you saw turtles, dolphins, and dolphins, and the wonderful colored fishes, wonderful snorkeling. And then she went about 18 more miles or kilometers out to Kanyu Island. Kanyu Island is an incredible island. I don't know if they told you, but there are more lightning strikes on Kanyu than any other place in the world. So it's really a very vibrant vortex. And the the spheres, we have these these amazing um, spheres down here, which are um, carved out of a type of granite. And they're round balls. They're perfectly round. They're, you know, not even 1 or 2% or 3% off being round. And there's some out at Kanyu Island. Nobody knows how they ever got them out there. They're pre-Columbian, so they're somewhere between 800 and 1,500 years old. And there, this whole area around here is called the Diki Delta. And this is where over 400 of these huge balls, some of them, the, the one in Sierra Bay is 16 tons. Did you see it in the park? No. No. Just stay on the beach. No, no, when you went into Sierra Bay. It's yeah, in the square. Yeah, That's right yeah. in the square. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's like 400 of them that have been found here. Nobody knows how they carved them, what their purpose was. But it's, it's something. It's, they're they're sort of being touted by the Heritage Foundation as the eighth wonder of the world. So we have a lot of archaeological um, um, items around here. Also, just behind me, there's a bunch of cows on the hill up there, and I'm looking at the hill and I'm remembering that Macho, your horseback rider trainer for tomorrow, is taking me up there very secretively because it's his uncle's place, and they had all kinds of gravestones up there and gold was found. The Indians were all over this area. The there's gold Indians. in them hills. There's gold in them hills. There's always gold in them hills, brother. <laughs> and, and, and petroglyphs on a stone just yeah, just yeah. down the road here at the at the little school. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you could walk there. <clears throat> we're talking about, um, really, we're talking about the discovery of a really ancient society. Yeah. So as you wander through the jungle, you're going to see things that, um, there's no possible way you're going to see them anywhere else. <laughs> no, sir. Let's, let's have archaeological groups come down here. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Anybody in the arts, any arts, please. We're very interested in you. We don't want just regular people. We want we want people who have interests. And they'll treat you well. Artists. And I think that's the artists, 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 artists creators, healing arts, create, all the creators, creators, healing and and and, and curiosity learning, and learning education. Alternative, you know, things that aren't that should be being taught in our standard educational system and are not. We're all about that. And we're going to have the information all over our website. It's been on the last show that we posted. Uh, been sharing them here in the chat room. Uh, again, it's www.themangotreespa.com. It's very simple, um, easy to find. Um, look them up. Absolutely. Drop Rosemary a line. Say, hey, Gene and Rick sent me. Everyday Connection sent me. I'm part of the Everyday Connection family because 
podcast listener, chat room listener, former guest, you're all members of the Everyday Connection family, and we love you all, and this is an experience that I would highly recommend, and I don't highly recommend very much. <laughs> the, um, this area, this bay out here that's around us, that is the 60 kilometers of, of beach mountain front, this is where the humpback whales come, and they, they, um, they mate, and they have their babies. The mothers don't eat for three months. The babies nurse. The 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 boys, <laughs> the romantic boys come in here, and they actually create a song. Every year they create a different song to attract the female humpback whale. It's, it's absolutely fabulous. There's some CDs that incorporate this music. I have one. If I can share it with you somehow, I'd like to because it's beautiful music. And so we even have the whale, I mean, the music of the sea here. Fishing here is fantastic. You guys, if you ever want to come down here and go deep sea fishing, one of the most fun things I ever did, I caught a sailfish the first time I went out, about nine foot long, brought him in in five minutes, and <laughs> we released him and let him go, but, oh, boy, that was fun. <laughs> Catch and release and is then, the best way. And then we were out there 50 miles offshore, jumped in the water, must have been 85 degrees, Dolphins all around us. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. We do. Again, we highly recommend it. And we are getting close to our time, so we'll, we'll ask our guests that sometimes typical question that we ask some guests. That Because um, there's three of them now. <laughs> that we ask guests. So we'll ask Lena first. We'll just not ask you next time we have you on the show. If there was one message, if you had five minutes, to tell the world something. About yoga? About, about anything. Anything, anything. About anything. Anything you think is important for people to hear, what would it be? About the mango? About anything. 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 About anything that I want people to know. I want them to know that they are perfect. They are a whole being. And they are perfect as yes, they are. They don't need to change anything. Uh, they, they just have to discover um, how perfect they are. That's my message. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Try and talk that. <laughs> yeah, this. <laughs> That's why we're getting her on the show because we know already by meeting her that there's going to be some profound wisdom coming out of this lovely, amazing spirit that we've been blessed to meet while living at the mango tree. And I think that part of the beauty of the mango tree is that you never know who you're going to meet while you're hanging out here. <laughs> you never know. We had four Ticos here. Um, they were young. They came very, very late last night. I'd already fallen asleep. But they came and uh, they went to the beach during the day. And then they came back and they said, you have on your webpage something about going up the river. I said, yeah, go up the river. And where's the river? It's right below you. <laughs> and uh, so they drove up the hill. They went over the side, they parked their car, they walked down to the river, they went in it, and they probably went up about three-quarters of a mile up the river, walking up the river through the stones and everything else. It's absolutely fabulous. And you get into natural pools, there's probably three or four natural pools. You, a you actually have to swim across. You can't walk around. You have to swim across them to get to the other side. Then you climb up that little cliff, and then you go to the next pool, and the next pool, and there's a big jacuzzi up there. We have beautiful waterfalls around here. We have a 100-foot waterfall that um, that you're going to tomorrow on by horse with, with uh, Gabe. 
and uh, it's... Hey. There they go again. One second. Oh, must Just leave it. Yeah, and so, you know, we have lots of waterfalls and uh, tilapia farms and all kinds of beautiful things here to explore and investigate and enjoy. And to see the soul. So, Gabriel, same question for you. If you had one message to give to mankind and you got five minutes to say it, what would it be? It would be um, to understand that um, the laws of attraction and, and that thought is what creates all. And so spend your life in positive thought. Because as I said earlier, it does come back to you in an equal equation. So spend all of your life thinking about there's nothing you can't do. Because I, I think my life is a good life of a person who's actually been able to experience a lot in life. And I'm thankful for that. So be positive, everyone. Because it works. Awesome. Be positive, you'll have lots more, lots more of it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right on. And, of course, our, our fabulous hostess and... Um, Jungle Angel, we, we have to ask you the same question. Um, you got five minutes, and it doesn't have to be about the mango tree. Just be can be. What the, you, the anything candy, you want to say to the but, world. You know, something that you've learned in life or, or something that, whatever your heart tells you to say right now, what would it be? Don't be afraid. Don't ever be afraid. Let go of fear totally. You can do anything that you want to do. You can create anything that you put your mind to and set out to do. When I created this place, I I went through a lot, believe me. There were a lot of a lot of lessons here. And uh it you know, I, I remember I remember going to I went I was it was kinda like the darkest night of my soul because it was so hard. I went through so much building this place. And I went over to this hotel, this other hotel and a friend of mine and there was a book on the table and it was Paul Chili's, I can't say his name. It was, it was about the, the, the pilgrim in the desert. And I had already read the book, but I picked it up off the table and it, I flipped it open, you know, and when it, whatever you open to, that's the message you need to hear. Always. 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 And I read the paragraph there and it was talking about the guy who was tromping through the desert and he was desperate and he was he had no water and he was thirsty and he was, you know... He was afraid he was going to die. And like so many people, just when you're afraid you're going to die, you're going to die if you think that. You know, if, you, if, you're going to, if you're going to plan on dying because you don't have any water, but what you don't know is right over this next sand dune are water poems. And I read that paragraph and I went, I can't give up. i got to keep on going. I've got to create, i got to finish this job no matter what. And so I came back, and I mean, I went through, <laughs> holy hell, believe me, and I finished this place right down to my last dime, you know, and here we are. Look what's happening. See, that's, that, that's really incredible because what I found in life is that most people are so close to success they don't understand mm-hmm. it. It is, mm-hmm. it is just one step further over the goal line. Mm-hmm. And most people will fall short of continuing to believe in themselves because of fear. You can't stop. And that's really been the, the theme of our journey together is that we've been we've been sitting on the cusp, really. I mean, with my books and with my... There's so many times I've, I've wanted to just give up. Mm-hmm. and the, you know, But there's so many people around me. I've really... I've been cursed 
by enough people in my life to tell me that I was going to be successful, that I don't have any choice but to be successful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because every time I, I got that, I'm going to give up. I, I You know, I got maybe I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I mean, maybe do something else. But don't give up. There's always yeah, been yeah. somebody has always come along and said, well, that's what you don't were talking about earlier. And you said, you know, if you stay on the path. Yeah. That, that's exactly. That I've George just, will I've show up. I, I've learned and that, and will up, and he always will, whether it's money or whatever else. I don't whatever doubt it, it anymore. There's a look at a short, short example of this. We went shopping to get groceries because we want to be able to not expect Rosemary to feed us the whole time we're here. We have a kitchen; we'd like to use it. I always forget to buy garlic, but I hate cooking without it. So I'm in the I'm in the villa this morning, this afternoon, and Did I'm making you scrambled steal eggs. My garlic? No, I didn't have to. <laughs> this is the miracle of it. Yeah. I came out and I showed up to Rick, and I'm, I stood right below, and I showed up to Rick. Hey, Rick, if you see Rosemary, ask her if I can borrow a clove of garlic. And he <laughs> said, look on the windowsill. No, I said, what is the garlic in the window bad? <laughs> the garlic in the window. I go back to the villa, and there's a. That's a perfect a example of, of a garlic. A, whole, a clove of garlic. A whole bowl of garlic sitting in the window. So I've got my garlic for the week. I didn't have to buy it. It was provided. I don't know how it got there. I don't care. Thank you, George. Thank you, universe. Thank you, God. Whatever you want to call it. I have my garlic. I'm happy. But that's a small little example of how my life works now that I've let go. I just, I needed the garlic and it was there. Love. I, it, was, it was just... Love. That's it. Tell everybody love. you love them, folks. Tell your family, your friends, your, your wives. Your father. Honey. Your guys. To my wife. Your father, you, your my mother. family, I love you. Everyone here, I love you all so very much. And I love all the, the um, people on your radio listening. Sure. Yes. Every last love one you of you. And love you for listening. And take a little time and love yourself. Mm-hmm. Because there's nobody around in the whole universe that deserves it more than you. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got more great shows coming up. What have we got coming Tuesday? Uh, Oh, we have Tuesday is uh, Samir Guy. Yes. Samir Guy. Stephen Kutz will be back with us. We'll be back with us. To tell us not about Stephen's mirror, but about the journey to the discovery of Stephen's mirror, which I'm really interested because his method works. We've proven that. We showed you on the show by doing a live example of it. Kind of blew our minds, blew my mind when he did a private reading for me. He um, did my reading live on the show. But <clears throat> what I want to ask him and how you do that. Like, what? where did you come up with how this idea? He, how did he kind of do it? Well, how, yeah, you how you found that? Where you went at? Well, no, I mean, what did he Oh, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Him, I'll in have to show you the show. I'll have to show you the show. Just tell us a tiny little one Tiny little bit. Okay, well, it, it's, too, it's too intricate. It's, it's like a mixture oh. of ancient astrological readings, your birth, your, your chart. It, it's just too so intricate. what does the mirror have huh? to do with it? Is it an actual mirror? It is. It is it's the name he put to it because oh, he's because reflect to you who you are. He wants okay. to reflect your perfect being within mm-hmm. that you talked about. Everybody's perfect, right? That's his message. If he could show people how beautiful they are, and Charles then they would it. take that out into the world. But his readings are so ridiculously accurate. I've never, in all cool. my years of doing this work, cool. seen anything like it. It and was like I was just giggling my way through the whole reading. We've had some like, readings from correct. people, but this we've was had, but this was, nutty. This was cool. like a cool. bang on. He touched on things that there's no we. They're not on my blog site. They're not in my movies. They're not in the radio show. There's no way he could know them. But he, he knew. knew. He knew. Yeah. So, you know, I want to know how he got there. Because that's... 
That's exciting. We're going to be doing that for for Rick's benefit on Tuesday night from the air-conditioned comfort of a hotel right before we fly out of Costa Rica. Well, also because I felt it was probably going to be difficult to depart from here for a 6.30 a.m. flight out of San Jose. So uh, we're going to sacrifice and be back in in, uh, the courtyard where we spent our first night, so we know what to expect now. Yeah, yeah, we do. And, we know where to get food, we know who to talk to. Yeah, we've got all that stuff, and the airport's just a hop and a skip. So um, <laughs> we'd stay here for the rest of the month if we could, but we've got to clear out. There's more folks that are coming, and you need to come too. TheMangoTreeSpa.com. Look them up. Just take a look at the pictures. You'll be here soon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And um, keep your eyes open for our videos. We'll have those up hopefully soon too. We'll be taking some footage while we're here, and uh, we'll get them up on our YouTube and our website. Our YouTube and our website, and of course these shows will be posted with links to everything. Um, and you know, along these lines of take time to love everybody, take time to pay attention, take time to love yourself. We always have our until Tuesday to our mother to each other. And especially to yourselves, always stay connected. Good evening, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.